Sounds good. All right, I'm going to hit the button. Are we ready? Yep, ready. Uh, oh, what I am going to do, uh, just so that we have a few moments to, uh, you know, prepare ourselves, just like I did last time, I'm going to mute the desktop audio so that the stream doesn't hear what we're talking about until we're ready. So I'm going to do that. I think we've cleaned up game time, chat, with enough stuff that it doesn't require tests. I just dropped in the whole turbo encabulator thing. I see that. Of course, stream is going to hear me, but they're not going to hear you guys. Because I couldn't remember how to fucking set up push to talk on stream like I had last time. Or not last time, but the time before it. What the hell is that gift, Chorog? Running. It's for the fitness pacer test. Obviously edited. Very obviously edited, yes. Actually, you know the what? Ministry this of Silly Runs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's, we have evolved beyond the Ministry of Silly Walks. This is the Ministry of Silly Runs. <laughs> oh, and we already have somebody in chat on stream. Hi, Umbra. Should I? Uh, should I give up on the? Uh, should I give up on the the whole uh, muting desktop audio so that people can hear us, or do we want that extra moment? Uh, I, I kind of ruined it because I can't remember how to mute. Oh wait, hold on, I'm dumb. I know how to mute myself. I was gonna say anybody who shows up to stream and hears this stuff unedited already knows what weirdos we are. Yes, <laughs> I mean, yeah, true. it really doesn't change a whole it's lot. True, but. Yeah, I just and also I I have this weird janky thing for Star Trek Alliance because my my old mic settings, the mic settings that I use on my normal stream used to work on my my Reliant stream setup, but all of a sudden it's Oh, Nord. Working. Um Nord, I uh, got to give you some feedback from chat. Okay. You've got the reverb going again on your uh mic audio. So it sounds like you've yeah. got two simultaneous inputs for your mic. I, I, I think what it is is there was one night where uh, there was some wonky shit going on with my my stuff and uh, and now that's not an issue. So okay. That makes that a lot So Umbra Umbra is yeah, Umbra is saying you've got some reverb. So just letting it know. I see it. Yeah, I muted both the mics. See, one of them didn't used to work. There there was one night where my normal yeah didn't work and so I had to make a new mic and apparently they're both working tonight so yay so yay. now I know with, Huzzah. Well, how long do we want to give it before we actually get started uh, we're already 808 so let's go ahead and get started because let's not because the more we wait here the later we go so might as well get started ASAP uh, you're not hitting the push to talk already hit the button ladies and gentlemen Everyone, welcome to another episode of Star Trek Religion. For those new here, welcome to the Meat Hall. I am the Grumpy Old Noor. We uh, we mostly do other things here, but tonight we're doing a fantastic episode of Star Trek Reliant. And without further ado, without going on about me anymore, because we all know I am narcissistic en enough as it is, we don't need any more. Uh, let's get on to the rest of the crew. Uh, let me, uh, give me a second. Let me, uh, there we go. I knew, I knew I forgot to do something. Uh, Duncan, would you like to introduce everyone else? Hello, I'm Duncan Mahato. I play Marcus Graves, uh, Setsu Jigoro, Lieutenant Tardigrade, and whatever bad men we need, uh, for any given particular scene. 
Tonight, uh, we'll be hanging around with, starting off, First Officer and Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Eli O'Connor. Hey, that's me. Played by our friend Nick. And we've also got uh, Lieutenant Caro Junrani, our con officer, played by Jarlin. I'm trouble in a bag, yeah. We've got our chief engineer, Rick Tier, played by Baz, who rhymes. Except for Baz. Uh, Rick Tier does rhyme, um, Baz does not. Um, but here I am. Uh, but that, I suppose, is what you also get from being down under, which apparently on the on the day that 99% of the world's population is has in daylight, Australia is the only part of the world that isn't in daylight for that day. I just saw that on Facebook, and I needed to vent. Yay! We've also got Chorog, played by JP. Yo, I'm Chorog the Pirate, and I'm here for the rum and the women. You will only get one tonight. Oh, sad face. <laughs> so without further ado, we can we can get on with our intro. We are, we are forgetting one person. We are forgetting Oakley. Oh, we've also got our very special friend Oakley in uh, chat with the uh, group here, who plays Oakley, the exocomp with a heart of whatever exocomps are made out of. Starfur Theta plays Oakley, and he is an exocomp with a heart made of gold and latinum. Probably and, a lot of latinum. And of, I, I feel like latinum yep. is more... And a lot uh, of uh, silicon as well. Oh, and yes, more than a drop of chaos. Oh god, yeah. Don't Pure chaos. And then there is me, Distilled Chaos Nord, who is our unfortunate uh GM and, and, and head writer. And I also play uh Chaplain Waitley. Greetings. Counseling sessions are in. Sign up at your own risk, except Starfleet orders and you all to my office. And then I also play, and this will be much more relevant in tonight's episode, I also play the bartender in Club 42, which is the Reliance version of 10 Forward. Uh, I play Grimnir, who is, yeah, that's that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this tonight. But yeah, so I think that gets everybody. And without further ado, let's uh, let's get into the opening, the cold opening. Okay, yeah, I, I forgot. I, I had this all set up, and then I had a power out, and I never got around <laughs> to actually fixing it up again. We, we, we zoom in. The camera, the camera pans in on the ready room of the Reliant. This is literally maybe an hour after uh, the incident that happened in the Enigmas Nebula and, and Starbase 614 from last episode. And... Uh, we, the, the camera pans in on Captain Michael Graves in his or uh, God damn it. I said Michael, didn't I? Uh, Captain Graves. Yep. That's the mirror version. Yeah, no, we let's not go there. Let's not go there. I don't want to go off on that tangent. The camera pans in on Captain Graves in his ready room. He's he's sitting at his desk. He's he's talking to uh, Starfleet Command. You know, he's filing his report. Duncan, would you like to explain what the report you send to Starfleet Command is? So, at this point, Graves has been up for several days, and he's lost people, and he's nearly lost the ship. And the what the overriding thing he's feeling is just his own nerves. So, Graves comes in, 
and sits down and just forces himself to write out the report. And he's just terse to the point. We encountered the nebula. Warp went down. It recounts what happens with the pirates. The loss of the USS Tokyo. And then the loss of Starbase 614. And just the grind of days of moving on from one place to the other. And then finding at the end of that something they didn't understand and maybe it's gone. The, nib- the nebula is still there. And it's out of his hands now. The ship is safe for the most part. And they still need the repairs that or the retrofit they were going to 614 for. So he signs it off, includes the names of the crew members who were lost on the mission, and the note that Kara Junrani had, or, and several other crew members had also become seriously ill, but were recovering well. And once it's done, he just has this, this cold feeling of emptiness. Sets the data pad down, hits send, and basically passes out in the uh, red, uh, ready room. Well, when uh, Graves awakens, which probably won't be long because, you know, nightmare. Uh, let's just say he passes out for like 15 minutes. <laughs> so he wakes up and he has a response from Starfleet Command. What it says is report acknowledged. You are to report to Starbase Epsilon, which, you know, before your last endeavors into exploring, before the order for refit was where you had been, you are to report to Starbase Epsilon to continue or not continue, um, to to uh, pursue the same assigned refits. Make post-haste. Now, here's the thing that Graves knows, is that with the loss of crew, and, uh, you know, with the, the damage to the engines from the nebula, that's gonna take a while. That's probably about a three-week journey at low warp. So this is gonna be a long trip. So... Graves uh, basically sends the order to the helm to proceed at the designated speed to the designated coordinates for a three-week journey. And for his last bit of captaining for the day, he orders up the department heads to uh, come up with a effective but very generous um, downtime plan for the crew so they can rest, recover, Build, build some teamwork up again and just, yeah, recover from their last assignment. All right. So at that point, screen cuts to black. We get our opening credits. All right. So we have exited our opening credits and we now zoom in or pan in or whatever the, the proper terminology is for uh, camera editing and screenwriting and all that is. We come into Club 42, where we see Chief Engineer Rick Tier sitting at a table by himself. And Chorog, the recent addition to the crew, the Nausicaan pirate who was basically forced into being a, a exchange officer for the Reliant, walks into Club 42. What happens? Uh, Chorog has just spent the last two days holodeck hunting holotar calibrating his sniper rifle. Not realizing he had spent two days in there, he realizes he is. He walks in the bar. Grimnir! Bloodwine! I thirst. 
Grimner nods. He he grabs a traditional Klingon style mug from under the bar and he pulls out this big giant bottle. Like I'm I'm not even talking a fifth. This this thing is probably like a gallon size bottle. No label, no nothing. Just you look at it, and that's that's bloodline, blood wine. That that is good old school, old fashioned blood wine. And Grimner just happens to have a gallon of it sitting under the bar, and he pours it into that pint size mug, and he hands it over and says, "Kapla, my friend, kapla." Ha! Trog takes a sip of the ah, uh, three hundred nine vintage. I approve. And New rank- and mods. Spies Richter sitting at a nearby table. Having uh, not introduced himself to Richter. Rick's got a, uh, a pad open and is doing whatever, some administrative tasks for administ- uh, for engineering. He doesn't seem to notice Chorog's there. I was told to report to you. I am Chorog. I will be assisting in engineering duties. I have experience with uh yeah, so Rick here puts down the um, puts down the pad and and looks uh Chorog in the eyes a bit. Oh um, good. I was wondering um when you'd be available to start work. Um, please come sit and we'll we will discuss your scheduling. I shall do so. When do you want to see me? Well, the next shift starts in a few hours. If if um. You'd be willing. We do. We do have uh, a few unfortunate vacancies right now, and uh, we'd need the help with with everything as low as it currently is. I shall begin work at once. I will meet you in two hours' time. I will go to my quarters and get. I will see you there. Um. Yeah. So, in, can we skip the two hours? Because I do want a bit of a scene in engineering as well. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, so uh, uh, Rick T is already in engineering when Chorog applies. He he arrived a bit early and is um, already going through some of the uh, initial like assignments, um, checking these relays, diagnosing what's wrong with with this um, circuit, um, f- uh, just finding, getting people to find ways to boost the energy output of of this system and, and all that kind of things when uh, Chorog, uh, Chorog walks in. Chorog, reporting to duty as ordered, sir. There's a bit of a pause uh, for most people, uh, most of the engineering crew. Rick Tear just looks up uh, and just says, Welcome. Uh, come, I've got um, a task for you, Chorog. What, uh, so what, what would Chorog's specialities be in engineering? Systems engineer. Systems engineer. Okay, um I, I am I am shocked you didn't say kicking things and making them work. <laughs> that would have been the perfect thing for Chorog to say. Well that's the unspoken one. <laughs> well, I that's mean spoken and, and Victor's gonna find out sooner or later that that's how I kinda make things work. I because of maintenance. <laughs> because his maintenance is a well tried and true um uh method. Uh Systems engineer. Well, uh, we need some uh, expertise on why the. Um, hang on, let me do a techno babble roll here. Come up with some random techno babble. The, the, the pulse sustainer systems within the uh, neutrino 
multiphasic array needs to be inverted. Maybe if you could have a look in there and, and, and see what you can do with that system. I will get on that immediately. Uh, and and he will point um, to uh, one of the other engineers, I uh, would say, what's a name? I need to come up with a name. Any in chat got an idea for a name? Snively. Ensign Snively. I like uh, it. Uh, Snively, do what you can to exist. Your specialities should, should um, merge pretty well here. Um, just give me a report when you're done, and... Um, we will move on to the next task from there. Shall be done. Snively, come with me. We have work to do. Uh, Snively is a bit bit hesitant, but he looks to te- Rick Tear for a moment, delaying, and then and he just gives a slight nod and then follows uh, a second later. All right, so, Chorog, I need you to give me a reason and engineering role. So, I, I don't have access to your character sheet. I got it. Right, okay. Uh, let's see. You got one success. Now you are going to get an automatic extra success from the addition of, uh, Ensign Snidely because, uh, due to the nature of what the engineering crew on the Reliant has been through anytime the engineering crew that was there for that event gets an automatic success for any role that uh, involves reliance. So that means you got two successes, which means you just all earned a point of momentum. There's the button I was looking for. So you got two successes. So you phenomenally execute the, uh, operation that, that Rick tier. And it, it, by the way, it's Rick tier, not Richter, uh, that Rick tier you on. <laughs> And you you accomplished it in amazingly swimmingly time, just boom shakalaka done, and yeah, yeah, they, they, you could you could pull the 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 Montgomery Scott school of philosophy of eh, it's done. We're just gonna take our sweet ass time and make it seem like it took longer, or you can report immediately. It's up to you. However, Snidely is very much of the mind they want to. Uh, they want to report immediately because, well, they're not familiar with the Mon- Montgomery Scott School of Philosophy. Well, I, I'm Klingon, I'm a fish. I thought you were an Ossican. Make up your mind. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Kale would murder you for that. <laughs> yeah, <it was> <laughs> just <laughs> without a word, without a word, just raise up the bat left, chop you down, move on. <laughs> on that. Kale's not here. His opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good work, Snively. We have completed the task. In the in below the time asked for, we shall go report. Uh, Snively actually, you know, like working with you, he seems a bit more comfortable than he was before. Um, just sort of, actually, now that he's gotten work along with you, he's gotten into a bit of a rhythm and is able to just sort of like move along with you without sort of without um. Second guessing whether you're gonna rip his throat open. So Don't worry, Snively. I haven't eaten any crew. So that actually gets a laugh. <laughs> it actually gets a laugh from him. Um Um Yeah. And uh, the two of you report and and get another task, but um you don't need to need to do anything with Alright, so that that is Chorog's and Rick Tear's first interaction, and obviously it goes very well. So 
let's uh, flash forward maybe a couple more hours. Uh, let's say Captain Graves is is sitting at the bar nursing uh, uh, a bottle. I, I can't remember. I, I know the answer. I just can't remember. What is what is Graves' favorite drink? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I know it's it been to be said whatever before. was in front of him. I mean, we may have mentioned it in like uh, Club Forty Two way back. Uh, let's just go with an oh Irish coffee. I was All gonna right. say Graves drinks a lot of beer. Yeah, I mean, beer is like an everyday drink, though. It's not like a his favorite drink. So if it's gonna be a favorite, let's go with something special. Let's make it an Irish coffee. So so Graves is sitting at the bar nursing an Irish coffee. This is maybe a couple hours after, uh, you know, the encounter with Churag and uh, Rick Tear. Grimner is polishing a mug, as always. And uh, Jar- uh, uh, Kara Junrani and Setsa both walk in at the same time. Kara waves to the captain, walking in with Setsa. Hey, Dingbat! Graves turns, uh, Graves turns around and just sort of in a completely sort of like just just taking it completely normally. It's like that's the form of address. It's one of his many recognized names. It just has lost connotation of being something that is unusual. It just says, Hey oh, how's it going? It's alright. Spent some time with Chorog, you know, in the holodeck. We uh we killed a giant bug thing. So, you know, that was fun. And uh it sets at this point, uh chimes up and uh Yes, but it was not a real bug thing. It was a uh, holographic bug thing. So, real bug things are safe. We like real bug things. You need well, one lieutenant. In this case, this, this bug thing is already far. extinct. There's not any more left on FR anyway. True, but just kill the big bug thing. I mean, I feel sad. Sweetie, didn't you used to work in security? I did for a few semesters, but yeah, I went to sciences. So I just wanna I just wanna point out when 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 Kara calls Setsa sweetie, even Grimner raises an eyebrow. Just like, wait, what? Graves does not like at the like for that comment, it just like he he doesn't react to it at all. So he's probably the only one in the room who didn't raise an eyebrow. Well, I can see why you moved to sciences. I mean it does fit better, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I get you. At this point, Kara has moved over and sat down next to Marcus and gotten herself a Soma. It's just one of those things of, you know, Starfleet is all about going out there and helping the people who need help. But sometimes you have to hurt the people who need to be hurt. You know my special side project about that. You can make friends with anything. Yeah, I I also realize how well you've been doing at that one. You, you so can't expect says, to just tame uh, one of the dragons from the Skyrim program. They're supposed to be angry. Hey, there, there, when you mention... Oh, sorry, Duncan. So, that's a uh, shout out. It's an adaptive hollow program, and he's employing new strategies, and I know he's learning, and he's throwing me around a lot less. How many times has Richard eaten you? Several. But, I mean, he's a holodeck. Come on. Okay, so at the time that that conversation happens, Grimner has already started making his way out from behind the bar because Oakley walked in to start working on a troublesome replicator uh, terminal. And he doesn't come out with a mug or a drink or anything. He comes out with basically 
the the 24th century version of WD-40. And while while Oakley is working on that terminal, he uh he starts like like anybody watching can see Grimner has a great amount of love and affection for Oakley and he is just like Yes, keep doing what you're doing. Ooh, I like what you're doing. Yeah, keep hit that spot right there. Oh yeah, that right there. And just like he keeps hitting every single angle and 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 giving Oakley all the fucking love. And then all of a sudden he hears the Skyrim program and he stops and he stands straight up and turns around and goes, What? Carl looks over at Grimnir. I I thought you programmed that. I, I, he's, he's literally stunned speechless. He, he he obviously has no idea what you're talking about. He's like, what? This causes Cara to look concerned, but she, she just says, yeah, there's a, there's a program on the holodeck called Skyrim and you can go in there and like fight dragons and vampires and whatever. His eyes widen. He looks, he looks at Oakley and he doesn't say anything. He just, his expression is very um um I, I don't even know how to explain his expression because for for those who don't know Grimnir is very the grumpy old nord he's very big and angry and dour and and he just he looks at Oakley with almost a save me expression and he goes back behind the bar and he looks at everybody else and says please continue Right, so Setsa, we, we went into the program a couple days ago, and Setsa was tanking for us, and, like, we took out a dragon. And then it turned out there was another dragon, a bigger dragon, a blacker dragon. And that dragon came down, and we were all kind of weak from the fight, and Setsa tried to hold him off, and uh, she got tossed around like a puppy chew toy. And then, being Setsa, she's named the dragon Richard and wants to make friends. Arcus just keeps drinking his Irish coffee at this point. I mean, he was there, too, so he, he kind of knows how it went down. But at the same time, it's just like, yep, yeah, this is what Setsa does. It's what she did at the Academy. It's just, yeah. Kara just looks over at Grimnir. So, uh, yeah, that's a thing now. She's trying to make friends with a dragon that she's named Richard. That has now eaten her several times. Why comes yet? What was that, Setsa? Sorry, um, Grimnir, would you like to come with us to the uh, Skyrim Holodeck program? Not particularly. However, as soon as he says that, y'all hear a bah, and somebody comes running out from behind the bar. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta set their image up on screen. Is their title Sheep Wrangler? No, their title is Sheep. Meow comes running out from behind the bar and immediately makes for the exit from the uh from the bar from from club 42 is as soon as you said grimnir would you like to join us in the holodeck and as grimnir is saying not particularly meow immediately jumps up and just starts making a beeline out of club 42 what does everybody do car stands up and shouts you go girl seize freedom the man can't keep you down <laughs> <laughs> I can, you need a chaperone? You is, is that okay? Or a starship floating in space. What trouble could she possibly get into? The armory. 
literally every episode of Star Trek ever is raising its eyebrow at you right now. <laughs> Torpedo fire controls, warp core, environmental systems, cetacean ops. Yes, Marcus is um, just like he's got a bit of a grim here. I, I I love what Umbra just said in chat. Running out from behind the bar. Waste recycling. So uh, yeah, Marcus is Marcus is just sort of he finally turns around. And it's just. Holding his Irish coffee just pretty lackadaisically. It's like, still not great for a ship to be running around the ship. So, don't want to go, you know, do something about that. So, since nobody else is doing anything, as soon as it happens, Grimner, like, his eyes widen, like, wide. And he says, oh, no. And and he, he books it. Like, he gives, like, one last glance behind him because he knows his job. He knows his responsibility. But he also knows Mjol is his responsibility, and he knows what Mjol is capable of. You all, for the first time in the entire time you've known Grimnir, watch him go running full sprint, chasing after her. However, meanwhile, it's a starts, huge. She she starts to finish off her song and then looks over to Marcus and says, "I mean, what do you want me to do? Nala isn't a sheepdog. You're Starfleet officers. I mean, you can help." Get one sheep. On Starfleet, bartender just exhibited more call to duty than any Starfleet officer in the room. I just want to point that out. <laughs> Marcus is, okay, Marcus let me is ask you a question, like, Captain. He, hypothetically, hypothetically, if that had been Nala and Nala had run off, would you expect anyone but me to go chase her? I'd expect Santa to go chase her. I mean, touche. That would probably help. But it wouldn't be with the, like, maybe I didn't emphasize it enough. Like, the the exuberant, like I said, you guys have never yeah. seen Grimner move the way he just did. Ever. Yeah, so Graves You've is... You've seen at, him do is, a lot of stuff. You have not seen him move that fast so, or that panicked before. Which is why Graves is saying, we should probably have someone check up on this. Maybe if not from y'all but for Grimnir. But he doesn't want to say that. So he's just sort of like... So he actually says, you know, I could make this an order, but you'd have to go down on official records and possibly end up on your CV. Kara's like, oh yeah, I want to see see you tell Starfleet about the time you ordered us to chase a sheep. I'll do it. And he's just so... He's kind of enjoying this uh, himself. He's like, I mean, you think... That just to get that on your CV, that I wouldn't write official report to Starfleet talking about how I had to order my officers to go get a sheep. Oh, so no, I think you do it. I just still want to see the response from Starfleet. But now Setsa, or not Setsa, Kara has managed to finish her Soma, and she's actually standing up. So, okay. So, I can go, like, if we want to make this a thing, and we can all see Starfleet's report on this, do we want to bring someone, like, other people into this? I mean, like... It would technically go on Eli CV too if he gets a new officially designated or I already, level I already of experience. Have a, I already have a plan. I already have okay. a plan. Unless you have a plan for how you want to bring nope. Eli in. I have a plan for this. Yeah, I'm just making sure people are included, but if you've got a plan, we'll go with it. So Marcus just says, All right, you two, it's an official order. Go help Grimnir with meal. And you he's smiling at this point. Seth Car- says, uh, smiling. Kara dashes off the bridge. But meanwhile, she's muttering, Why doesn't. We all have a com badge on her like Nala does. We could just beam her back here. 
Setsa, um, uh, before leaving, gives Marcus a kiss on the cheek and, yeah, just waves goodbye and just chases on uh, with Kara. Uh, and Marcus oh. just sort of turns around and continues drinking his Irish cock. So, who all... Captain, damn it. Who all is leaving Club 42? Setsa and Kara. Oakley following. Oh, 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 I missed it. Uh, Oakley is following Grimnir. Like, Oakley is right on Grimnir's heels. Okay. So, Oakley and Grimnir go running out of Club 42, chasing after Mule. Uh, Mule runs past Dr. Eli O'Connor as he's walking down the hall, making his way to Club 42. And he's probably just looking at her going, uh, okay, that's something you don't see every day, but whatever. I don't get paid and- enough for this. <laughs> 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 and then Grimner comes chasing after screaming, don't you dare shout, you lass! I don't get paid enough for you to do that! Out? Eli <laughs> and, and Eli sees Grimner barreling down the hallway with, uh, <laughs> with with Oakley right behind him, right on his ass, and he is running, and again, emphasizing, you have never, the entire time you've known Grimner, you have never seen this big-ass bastard move this fast. He is, he is moving fast. He is, he is running hard to try to catch his pet sheep that he picked up off the EB homeworld. <laughs> so what so this Eli happens do? and then a minute or two later Kara and Setsa come running past Eli which way did the sheep go uh, Eli points the direction they went that way followed by Grimnir talking about shouting I, I have no idea what's up with that Kara and Setsa run off to the yakety sacks <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking perfect also, uh, JB, that's that's a goat, not a sheep. But I, I appreciate the gif. <laughs> I, I forget JB does not know the story of y'all. I would like to be working in a conduit, poke my head out, and that staring at me. <laughs> you Are know, you one of the crew? <laughs> you know what? I I am totally down for that. That that's what happens. Like. Chorog is is down at a Jeffrey's tube with Rick Tear. They're they're both working on some malfunctioning uh EPS conduit. All of a sudden the 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 uh the the door to the the Jeffrey's tube opens. They look up wondering who the hell's coming down and they see this sheep, this this absolute white sheep poke its head in. Give give that look, give that that tongue look. And then run away. And then maybe five seconds later, before you even have time to process what the hell just happened, you hear Grimner, where'd she go? Y'all come back. You're not allowed to shout. What that way? As Grif- as Trog pokes his hand out of the thing and pokes down the points down the corridor. <laughs> Thank you, lad. No problem. So what are what are once Kara again and about two minutes later? Kara and Setsa run by. Kara sticks her head in the tube. Hey, did a big barley guy chasing a sheep come past here? Yeah, I went that way. As Trog points. Yeah, Thank you. Rick will also point that way. Just but he will just be silent. 
You just see two hands pointing out of the Jeffrey's tube that way. <laughs> As Charles looks at Rick Tier and says, Is this normal? Um, this particular instance, no, but things like it. Interesting ship. Kara and Setsa are catching up on Oakley and Grimner. Grimner still freaking out. Where the hell is Mule? I can't let her get loose. I've taught her too much. <laughs> There's a sheep oh my God. in the hoose. Oakley starts activating. All right, so Oakley has stopped following Grimner. He is he is activating the sensors and 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 scanning for. Uh, I, I don't know what the 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 biological term for sheep life signs are, but <laughs> I love that. I love that. Is this normal? Well, that depends how you define normal. So Oakley is activating the uh, the sensors to detect uh, mule. Something interesting comes across your path. Mule does not detect as a life sign on the ship sensors. There is actually no registry whatsoever of Mule having ever existed on the ship. You've all met her. You've all seen her. Like most of us were there when we met her and brought her aboard the ship. <laughs> but she does not exist on the ship sensors. Oh, what does Oakley do with that information? It's a very good question. So many people are typing, but nobody's talking. <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and we just say what, what I was doing is like Kara and Sets are just running by now, singing in unison. Here we come. Here we come. Here we come. Gonna catch a sheep. Gonna catch a sheep. Gonna catch a sheep. Gonna catch a sheep. Sheep, sheep, sheep. Gonna catch a sheep. Yes, we are. Because we are chasing a sheep. Because this is apparently Starfleet life now. <laughs> There's going to be an official report and everything. And and people can hear at this point, Gribner is bellowing. Y'all, where are you? No, come back. Don't shout. Whatever you do, don't shout. Like, it, it's bellowing out over the halls. And then all of a sudden, everything goes dead silent. Because Mjol has made her way to the holodeck. And Grimner just stops. Oh, no. And goes, exactly. Oh, fuck. What is, what is everyone's reaction? What, what, what is everyone doing at this point? So Setsa will have caught up with um, Grimnir and is staring at the holodeck and says, Um, I might have forgotten to turn off the program. And, looks at um, her. Doesn't say a word. He just looks at her. He glares at her. Kara looks over at Setsa. You know the best way to catch a sheep and a bad dragon? A good um, dragon. Wait, possibly? Maybe that would work. Hey, flying has got to be faster than that sheep can run. Well, I mean, you got to find him first, so, um, here, let, let's make a plan. Um, Grimnir, are you okay with going in the Skyrim program? You didn't want to go to earlier, but... He just... He just glares at her, doesn't say a word, hits the button to open the door and walks in. Uh, and Oakley is going back to Captain Graves to let him know that his officers are chasing a sheep with no life signs. <laughs> Marcus looks at that report and says, What the hell were Kara's par parents farming? Eli hops the bar and gets himself a beer. 
<laughs> Marcus just continues drinking with him. He 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 doesn't want to see it because that would ruin the like see events unfolding because that would ruin the surprise later. Speaking of surprise, there there is I I I I neglected to mention something. When Grimnir walks into the holodeck, last thing anybody hears him say before he walks into the holodeck is, "This is the last bloody thing I needed on my birthday." And Setsa has this just this internal expression of, "Oh, just that disappointment of yeah." There's important social custom, and she didn't recognize it, and kind of takes a little bit on herself. Kara so, pats Setsa on the shoulder and then steps in, and she just looks up. Computer, spawn entities Ereth and Femeth from program Dragon Riders of Pern. <clears throat> you're going to have to run that one by me, because I don't get that reference. Uh, basically, what happens at that point is the computer then spawns a 45-foot-long blue dragon with a Rhine-Egg harness, and then a 70-foot-long golden dragon with a riding harness. Both are different from Skyrim dragons in that they have four legs and two wings instead of two legs and two wings. Kara starts going over to the blue dragon. This should make finding her easier. Setsa looks over uh, at Grimir, who's still sort of it, uh, uh, leaving the clearing, and just says, Grimir, we've got dragons! Uh, real quick, before we get into the holodeck, I just want to point out, uh, Graves did respond to what Oakley presented him. Yeah, uh, I went through that scene. That was the, that think, was the, what the it, hell are, yeah, because that, Graves' response to the, um, uh, Oakley's report was, what the hell are Kara's parents uh, farming? Yeah. Uh, the fact that one of their sheep... No, he doesn't pass on that information, though. Oh, he does... Oh, that was his mental response. I thought he, I thought Graves... No, no, he said that. that. Oh, he oh, said okay. that to, like, that was his comment, but he doesn't pass on the information to Setsa and Kara. Okay, gotcha, okay. So, yeah, so I guess we can also say that he you know, just gives Oakley salute and says, good work, and then just keep me apprised of developments. Oh, Oakley. Oh, Oakley's typing. I want to know what Oakley's doing before I continue. Lack so, he, okay. uh, Graves isn't, yeah, for Oakley, Graves isn't doing anything, but Oakley's been given the directive to keep an eye on the situation. Because Graves, at this point, just thinks it's funny. Okay, so, there you go, Oakley. You were you were given uh yeah, you you were given an order to keep an eye on the situation and, and, and go follow them and make sure things don't get out of hand. Except now you know you that they are all in the holodeck. So back in the holodeck, um Sets uh, uh calls out to uh Grimnir that that Hey, we've got dragons. Grimnir looks at the dragons, he nods gruffly and says it doesn't matter. They can't do anything to Mule. And he goes running in. Mule, come back! Kara just shares a look with Setsa. Who said anything about doing anything to Mule? I thought we were just trying to find and catch her. Grimnir's under a lot of stress, and, you know, it's his birthday, too, so... <sighs> Let's try to find Mule and make it the happiest, happiest days they can be for him. We'll get him a pizza later. Everybody loves pizza. Yay! So she she mounts her dragon on one day of training that they've had on the uh, holodeck during downtime, and saddles up her dragon femith, the big, uh, <laughs> the larger gold one. It's just all right. Let's go find the sheep. Kara nods and takes off with her blue dragon Irith, and 
just flies up and starts more or less randomly zigzagging across Skyrim. And then she realizes the problem as she sees many sheep. <laughs> and about that point, well, I was about to say at that point, except JB just went to take a bio break. Uh, we're about half an hour, a half an hour away from our scheduled bio break, by the way, for anybody who was wondering. Uh, but uh, Chorog enters the holodeck at that point. But I, I was going to do a scene with him, but he just said he's taking a bio break. Um, so you see many, many sheep, but you see one big giant Nord chasing after one specific sheep. Give me an insight plus. Uh, hold on a second. I got to figure out what this role would be. Uh, insight security would be a good one for just trying to observe. Yeah, that's that's or... give me an insight security role. It's that exactly. Okay. I completely wholeheartedly agree. One in eighteen, two successes. Uh, looks like Setsa got one success. How did you get a success? Oh, because you got a one. Okay, that's why. So that's that's another point of momentum. And yet again, I hit the wrong button. I'm really good at hitting the wrong button. So you now have two points of momentum. All right. So you completely narrow in on on where Grimnir and Mjol are. Mjol is probably about 100, maybe 200 yards in front of Grimnir. And what what's catching your eye, now that you're looking at it from you know an above point of view, is that Grimnir is occasionally like jumping forward really fast. Like every every couple of minutes, he's just like, he's at this point and he was moving at a certain speed and then all of a sudden he's like 100 yards in front. However, Mjol is doing the exact same thing, but faster, which is why Grimnir is not being able to catch up with her. And you're noticing whatever it is Grimnir is doing Mule is doing it better. Kara just looks down and says, okay, I get the human being working the program. The sheep is a new one. Nonetheless, she, she has a dragon, so she's basically going to swoop down and see if she can get close enough to Mule to either stop her or catch her. All right, give me, uh, hold on. Let me look at what this role should be. I would imagine control or command in something. Give me a uh, control and command and you are at negative one success for this. Okay. Well then I'm at zero because with control, I get an automatic success. You you need at least one success or at least two successes to succeed this role. So I get one regular success basically from my control thing. And then I get one success off the dice. Is that what you mean by two or did I need two above yeah. zero? You needed two above zero. Okay. So I don't quite get it. Oh, however, Setsa gets it. Well, wait, shouldn't wouldn't she have the negative one as well? Well, you both have well, the like negative. Are you trying to um? Maybe well, I like, uh, I'm just oh. asking. Do you mean a negative success? Do you mean we need two successes as our target, or we're at negative one and we just need one success? You do. You could just say we need three successes rather than doing anything with negatives. No, you need two successes. Okay, then actually both of us did get it because I get an extra one on control rolls always. Uh, oh, is that from one of your... Uh... Yeah, this car is augmented. Uh, okay, okay. So yeah. 
Okay, okay, okay. So you both get the mandatory success for this. So you both, okay, so here's how this scene plays out. You both swoop down. You both get real close to Mule. You're both about to, you know, get to where you could, like, herd her back to Grimnir or, or catch her yourself. Like, just grab her off the ground from Dragonback or whatever. Here's what happens. Mule sees this. She stops. She looks at both of you. And she goes, first Raba! And both of your dragons go flying <laughs> about a thousand meters away. And you should now understand why Grimner has been yelling, just whatever you do, don't shout! I've taught you too much! Oh my god, that is the worst luck ever. Okay, Kara cannot keep control of Aerith, and she and her blue dragon go plowing into the forest, knocking down trees. <laughs> that is- that is uh, wait, hold on. Did you, was that a 16 or? Oh, that was a 16. Okay, never mind. She got one success. I'm still going to go with she plows into the forest and all the trees and everything, but then Aerith is back in the sky a second later. Kara <laughs> yeah, is on the ground. The, the, the dragon is, the, the, the holodeck dragon is back in the air. And, you know, it's a program. It doesn't know exactly what to do without proper, uh, proper uh, filling in. But Kara is down in the snowbank, in the trees, but now knows there is something up with Mule. And Setsa knows the same um, thing. For, for comedic effect, uh, Setsa is in the same snowbank, but upside down. <laughs> Kara, Kara yells up, Aerith, Femeth, get your asses down here! And then she taps her combat. Jinrani to Graves. Graves here. I think the sheep is a little more dangerous than we might have suspected. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't show up as a life form, um, apparently. Oh, good. So the question, because guess what so, else hey, it can hold do? Hold on, It sent me, Hi. Setsa, and two dragons flying with a bleat. Okay, so my question to you is: Do you know if your parents were doing anything weird on that farm? No, they were retired. And hell, those were my sheep. They weren't even being farmed, really. Oh, yeah. Are, are you sure they're sheep? What else would they be? They look like sheep. They act like sheep. Oh, bah. Uh, I can't explain y'all, all, all right? I've never seen a sheep do that. Okay. All right. All right. So we can't detect her with the systems. And right now, the holodeck is probably good buffer zone because... The, uh, yeah, the Photonic Matrix should be able to take any damage. Uh, we'll buffer any damage for our um, any uh, uh, subsystems. So, try to get her contained down there. I can send uh, backup, um, if you guys need it. What the hell kind of backup can you send? We just had an 80-foot dragon and a 45-foot dragon get tossed around like playing cards! Someone with a stun pistol? It's a sheep. I don't think you're taking this seriously enough, she says. And then she turns the badge off. I'm so glad I have to talk on because I am laughing so goddamn hard. Eli looks at Graves like, could send checkers after him. That'll be fun. Go ahead and do that. All right. Uh, he taps his combat. <laughs> you know, can you, can you, can you ask checkers? He's, he's kind of upset. Yeah, okay, I'll ask checkers. All right. Uh, Graves to checkers. After a long moment, the, the, the combat cracks alive. Randolph P. Checkers Esquire at your service. So, Mr. Checkers, I've got a special job for you. 
We've got a renegade sheep with apparent telekinetic power on the loose in Holodeck 1. If you wouldn't mind helping out there and, you know, giving me a full report of what happens afterwards, I would much appreciate it. I see. I'll see what I could do as he's talking. Graves can't see this, but he he's uh he's picking up a Mosin Nagat rifle off a display behind him. <laughs> uh, he hears the clicking and just says, I should also mention we want the sheep alive and unharmed. Ah. Well, I'll see what I can do then. Um Replicator, can you make these like tranquilizers? Replicator can very easily do that, yes. Alright. The replicator actually asks you, what strength of tranquilizer would you like? Elephant. Wait, no. no. That seems a bit too much. Sheep. Could just say well, sheep. It's a telepathic sheep, so... Who's to be a sheep? Resilient. I'm going to say cheetah. I'm going to say, this sheep is the goddamn dragonborn. <laughs> Give me cheetah strength. Alright. Replicator gives Checkers the exact uh, tranquilizers you have requested. He loads them into Gaunt. Oh, go ahead. He loads them into those in the Gaunt and starts heading to the holodeck. At that point, Oakley has found Kara and Setsa. They are uh, brushing themselves out of the snowbank that they crash landed into and have come to each other. And this is right after the uh, conversation uh, Kara just had with Graves. And they're trying to figure out, you know, how, how how do they go into this situation knowing what they now know? And mind you, you can all hear Grimnir's bellows in the distance. Mill, come back! Please stop shouting! And, and, and Oakley stumbles across them at that moment. So, so Kara and Setsa see Oakley. Oakley sees Kara and Setsa. Setsa waves to Oakley and says to Kara, You know, we could try making friends with you. Now, I, I should make it pointed out. You guys are all very familiar with Mule. Mule has been a very, like, Mule has been kind of the, 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 the pet dog of, of Club yeah. 2. But she's never so, exhibited this I was going before. Yeah, so Setsa was giving going for a specific reference. But, you know, so, take. Kara just looks her dead in the eyes and says, I don't think friendship is the problem. Anyway, at this point, Irith and Femeth have landed and are looking about as apologetic as large dragons are able to look for having lost their riders. Okay, um, you know what? Big dragon might, you know, be a little, you know, off-putting to a little sheepy, so I'm going to try on foot. Um, yeah, so I'll... I'll, I'll I'll apologize to Femeth and, you know, give her a big hug and send her back. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try to keep up on foot. Okay, here's what I'm going to do then. Since it's obviously dangerous for me to get near the thing, I'm just going to fly up with Irith and I'm just going to go ahead and have my combat open, and I'm going to be telling you guys what I see. But I'm not getting near that sheep again. Okay, sounds good. Kara mutters to herself while getting back on Irith. I thought a dragon would be freaking overkill. Uh, sets at that point, um, taps Oakley on the head and just says, come on. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll catch me. You know, we'll catch me. So just come along and, um, after we're coming out, uh, uh, catch up. Um, I can give you a piggyback, right? Wait for Oakley's response. Do no copyright. Do Okay. <laughs> he gives a smile. <laughs> so I'm assuming so, uh, that Oakley. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, so uh, Oakley uh, kind of hops up on Kara, uh, sets his back, and sets a um, hold on, and then just, yeah, just starts sprinting after uh, the very obvious sound of the shouting Grimnir. At this point, Kara's just flying above, just trying to keep an eye on them and just kind of giving directions. All right, they're near the lake. Okay, they just ran past the bandit camp. No, 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 the other one, the other one, five corpses. Grimner is not hard to find with how much he's shouting after Mule. And at this point, it is just ridiculous how easily Mule is outrunning Grimner, considering how fast Grimner is proving himself to be. However, at this point, Checkers has entered the situation. He has been slowly stalking and making his way through, and Checkers is a professional. All this a professional what we don't know, but a professional exactly. He's he's very used to making his way through situations like this, and he he sees Kara and Setsa and Oakley and the two holographic dragons, and he sees Grimner. Here's the thing: Checkers has an issue with he does not see Mule. In the dis, he's off in the distance right now. The glint of his uh, aviators visible for a split second as he aims down the the iron sights. <laughs> like he can he can see where obviously she should be based on Grimner's reaction. Like he's watching and he's seeing the reactions. Like and he knows he can tell just by reading all that where Mjol should be. He cannot see her. And something strikes checkers. He has never seen Mule. Ever. Not once. He has never seen her. He, Even when he, people were saying she was there. And he just passed it off in the past as, well, you know, she's behind something. You know, because usually she's behind the bar of Club 42. She's not usually seen publicly. But there's been a couple instances where people were talking about her as if she was there. And he just assumed she was behind the bar. But now it's hitting him. He is literally looking right down the barrel at where she should be, and he's not seeing her. He chambers around and he fires where he thinks she should be. Can I, Grimnir? I want to see. <laughs> if that does happen, I want. I want. So that's got to be a role, probably uh, control a, security. I, yeah. I, well, I was going to say daring and security. Give me a daring and security role. Alright, so... 14. It's usually two successes uh, for a ranged hit. And oh! Two successes. So, Checkers takes a shot, and to Checkers' perspective, it looks like he missed. Checkers thinks he completely fucking missed. It was a blind shot, and he missed. However, Grimnir stops. Dead stops. And for those who are in the air watching, they see what happens. Mjol has been hit. And, and Mule is changing. Mule is slowly transmogrifying into something beyond a sheep. And we are going to take oh, a no. break. As we find out this entire time, Mule has been a dragon. I'm especially glad I brought my oh, own holographic work. dragon. It may not help, but I feel safer. I hope Chorog gets in some of this action. <laughs> I thought this was about to be some Eldritch shit. Oh, no, 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 no that's no. Wheatley. 
Yeah, Waitley's not here. This is this is a Grimnir episode. No. Yeah, it, it, it's just found it, it's out. The, Go ahead, Duncan. We found out the reason why why Mjol appeared to Grimnir on Ifar. Yep. She was never a sheep to begin with. She was hiding. I regret not going for elephant ra- elephant trinks. <laughs> <laughs> when you said that, I literally had to take my, my button off the mic because I was like, oh, you're going to want bigger than that. However, it was enough to, to force her to change. Mule was a dragon this entire time. That is what you have all just discovered. And we are going to take our our halfway point bio break right there. So uh, we're going to take, you know, five, 10 minutes, go take a leak, go grab some water, pour yourself another beer, whatever you got to do. We're going to take a bio break. We will be back shortly. All right. So to catch up everybody who is just coming in, or for those who have forgotten what's going on, uh, everybody was hanging out in club 42, the, the 10 forward of the Reliant. And uh, somebody happened to mention the Skyrim holodeck program. As soon as it was mentioned, Mule the Sheep, from a number of episodes ago, started making her way out. And and we had this big, long scene where everybody was chasing her. And she went straight to the holodeck. Into the Skyrim holodeck program. And we've now spent quite a while chasing after her in the Skyrim holodeck program. And we just found out Mjol the sheep was not a sheep because she just got hit with a rather effective tranquilizer dart and it broke her illusion that she had or whatever it was. She was a dragon, specifically a Skyrim style dragon. So, uh, I think we can all imagine Grimnir's response at this point, which is he just, he stops and is just flabbergasted. Like, he has no words at this point. He's just like, wait, what? Or it just says into her comm badge, look, if this is going dragon against dragon, I think I'm outgunned here. So what is everybody else doing? Actually, I, th- I think a good one, since since Checkers is the one who got the shot off, what is Checker's response to this? Because at this point, now he can see her. He's a- I will. I will eventually explain why he couldn't see Mjol the sheep. That's 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 later on. It's because uh, he never takes his glasses off. <laughs> so, what is Checker's response to seeing this? He is working the bolt on the Mosin, getting all the tranks out and loading them with real bullets just in case. He knows they're probably not going to make an ounce of difference. <laughs> if you could take down a dragon with arrows in Skyrim, you could definitely take one down with a Mosin. It's debatable. Anyway. All right. So Checkers, that's his response. He sees this and he just kind of blinks and starts loading real ammo into his gun. What are Kara and Setsa doing? Kara's response was what I said before, just to mention that if this is dragon v. dragon, she's outgunned. Setsa? Or is Setsa just as speechless as uh as Oh as, I had I was muted. Oops. So Setsa um makes her way to uh Grimnir for to assist. Alright, so Setsa runs up to Grimnir's side. Uh what is Oakley doing? Oakley runs away, well rather flies away. 
So Oakley runs away, <laughs> just like fuck this shit. I'm out. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about Chorog? So Chorog is he? He has been trying to because he stumbled into the holodeck earlier. He was like, you know, I'm kind of curious what the hell's going on. Chorog has been going through the forest, and and you guys are you know way up north. Uh, I am assuming that the the entrance to the uh, the Skyrim program is kind of south, more toward Helgen. At this point, you guys are more up toward like, uh, uh um, God damn it, Dawnstar is where I'm imagining this is where this is taking place. Is damn, the sheep can run up in that direction. Well, that I, I was making that clear is that that both Grimnir and Mule were were moving very very fast. It was just Mule was moving faster. Um, but Trog eventually catches up and, uh, and he sees there's no sheep. There's this big giant ass fucking dragon that is slowly turning around to face Grimnir and Setsa. That's a wave to the dragon. And, uh, apparently Oakley, when he gets a safe distance away, uh, well, any distance for Oakley is a safe distance, opens the holodeck arc and uh, uh, uh and and tries to get help uh yeah uh nick i i will i will get to that later yes there 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 is a reason certain things worked for checkers there there is a reason and i'll i'll get to that later don't 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 worry about checkers i got checkers covered don't worry i got checkers um but yeah so that that's what chorog walks up on he he basically walks up on um uh kara just standing there going, what the fuck? And he's just like, what the fuck? And so that's that, or not Kara. Um, no, 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 sorry, Kara. Yeah. Chirag walks up on Kara and they're both just like, what? The I think you mean Setsa because uh, Kara's. In yeah. No, Setsa is by Grimnir's side. Yeah. And Kara's yeah, in the air. Kara so is flying on it. Oh, yeah. God damn it. He's on a dragon. I forgot about that part. My bad. All right. Uh, never mind. That that ruins the the scene I had in mind. Never mind. Yeah, I forgot about that part. My bad. Uh, so Chorog walks up. He sees sets or uh, Kara up in the air with a holographic dragon, and he sees another dragon. Actually, for Chorog, which which one's real, or are they both holographic? And from his perspective, they're probably both holographic. However. He sees everybody responding to the other dragon that's on the ground as if it were real. So what is what is Chorog's response to to stumbling across this particular situation? What in Grethor is happening in here? I'm here trying to hunt Targs and there's these things. What the, what's going on in here? Of course, unfortunately, because I forgot Kara wasn't on the ground, nobody hears that except Checkers. Checkers rolls up on Chorog. What does is, what is Checkers say to Chorog? Actually, oh, well, no, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna get to Oakley here in a minute, but I can see Oakley rolling up on Chorog as well. But what, what does... Um, Oakley's got other ideas. What does... If it what does helps at all, Kara's com badge is open. Well, like, like I said, what what does Checkers say as he rolls up on Chorag, and 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 here's what he says upon seeing this. He, he rolls up on Chorag. Uh, 
bolt-action rifle in both hands. Hey there, bud. Some pretty weird shit, huh? Is an understatement. Yeah, nice they're... Nice guns, hey? by the way. Thank you, it's a Mosin account. This thing killed Nazis. Hopefully it doesn't have to kill a dragon, because I think that might make the beer man sad. <laughs> oh my god, I had to hit push to talk because how hard that made me laugh. Alright, just says of her open combat. So, um, orders? Graves is aware of the situation because of both Kara and, and Oakley. What is Graves' response? Mind you, Graves, uh, for everyone who forgot, is sitting in the bar going, uh, you know what, this is just whatever. It's Do good whatever. to be the captain. He orders uh, Rick and uh, Bryce to go assist. With Bryce, uh, Graves also gives him permission to get the particle cannon out of the armor. Oh, oh shit just got real. Oh, yeah, Saw beat me to it. Shit just got real. <laughs> All right. So, uh, back to Grimnir and Setsa. They are now face-to-face with the dragon that used to be the sheep they knew as Mule. And the dragon seems unimpressed, but also upset. The dragon speaks. The dragon says, Grimnir. This is where you are from. How could you forget? Grimnir is still speechless. What does Setsa say? Setsa um, gives Grimnir sort of a nudge and says to uh, Dragon Mule. I think he just needs a minute. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's nice to see, you know, Phil to speak with you, Mule. Mule turns and looks at Setsa, gives... Uh, like she's not a very big dragon. Uh, it, 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 when when you think of Skyrim dragons, she's a little smaller. Uh, but she she gives uh, you know a head nod to Setsa and says, "I appreciate you acknowledging me. Most do not." Kara swoops a little closer down. You're not going to hurt Irith, are you? Mule looks up. And while you're not familiar with dragon facial expressions, you can tell she's just grinning. It, it probably looks a lot more menacing that's in, than it's intended to, but you can tell she's smiling. Kara will land a safe distance away and leave Aerith there. It's a holographic dragon, but it's her friend. She loves him. So she just heads over to Mjol on foot. All right, so... What uh for those who are at a distance? Actually, no. Uh, back to Oakley. What is Oakley doing at this point? He went to go find Rick Tear. Okay, so Oakley is meeting up with Rick Tear and Bryce at the entrance, and because it's the holodeck, it's very easy to just get right there. So, what are Oakley, Rick Tear, and Bryce doing? Bryce is there in like full battle regalia. He's got the, the 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 tactical armor on. He's got the heavy assault rifle. He's ready to go. He's like, let's do this. There's a security situation. It's time to handle this. Uh, from the reports, is there any way that Rick T might really? Is this a holographic thing? Is this uh something oh, like? Is, is Mole always been a holograph, and is there some way that he might be able to maybe disrupt 
that is the thing that is unknown. Like that is very much a possibility. There's nothing to directly indicate that, but reading what is known, that is very much a possibility because Mjol has never shown life signs. And if anybody does a scan right now, she still shows no life signs. All right. Well, he will repair, prepare um, something to try and um, like a, a disruption grenade kind of thing to disrupt the holograph. The, the like an e- in the, Yeah, in the MP kind of thing. I think an EMP for, like, holodeck is just a flashbang. Basically, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oakley says he supports trying to adjust the holodeck environment to solve the situation. It's Bryce, a good idea. Right, Bryce, Bryce is like, what do I got to shoot? What are we doing? Well, I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's probably not trigger happy because he does have that aversion to killing. So he's probably more on the profession. Bryce, oh, we, we... Well, that's... that's we, by the way, you have your sets of voice on. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, so remember, Bryce is averse to killing things, and we don't know what uh, Mule's state is. And even if she's an artificial life form, Bryce is also an artificial life form. I, I'm, running, I'm running Bryce into this situation as this is a hologram. This is a holograph. It's not the same as he is. And, and maybe maybe I'm approaching this wrong with Bryce, but that's kind of how I see him approaching this is he's good to go. He, he's like, I don't care what the situation is. What do I have to shoot? Because it's I don't think he'd be a shoot first. Have it be Janik. He might. Oh, yeah. OK, let's watch. We'll yeah, let's switch Bryce for Janik. That actually makes sense. I, I like that. idea yeah. better. I like that. idea. No, OK, so Janik is on oh, the yeah, holodeck Janik, in that. Bryce. And we've given Janik a particle cannon. Yeah. And Janik wants to use the particle cannon. Exactly. Sorry, uh, who was who playing uh, Janik? Green Dragoon. Green Dragoon. Yeah. Sorry, Green Dragoon. We're gonna we're gonna use your character. Our bad. We need it at the oh, moment. That's fine. <laughs> what on name security personnel? Janik is the first one to come to mind. Oh, that's 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 uh, Janik's. Uh, uh, assessment is that you know what? Screw conversation. Screw talking to it. It's presenting a threat. It's it's disturbing the the regularity of the ship. I mean, hell, when's the last time we saw Grimner off Club Forty Two? Obviously, something is wrong. Grimner may be in trouble and may need to do some time in the brig for whatever the hell this is. But this thing needs to go away because this is presenting a serious problem. That is that is Janik's response to this situation. Setsa, meanwhile, is uh, just patting Grimnir on the shoulder, just trying to be supportive of her uh, or, uh, her <laughs> acquaintance and occasional beer supplier, and just serving as that intermediary, kind of that intermediary role between uh, Mule and the rest of the group. Meanwhile, Grimnir is just still standing there dumbfounded, like literally jaw to the floor. Well, not literally, but you know what I mean. He's just like, uh, brain.exe has stopped responding. That That is Grimnir's current state. Kara's just kind of looking back and forth between Mjol and Irith and just been like, okay, we caught technically Mjol? That's a... Uh, uh, tap to combat and said, uh, Yol is trying to talk to Grimnir. I 
I think it's cool. And yeah, just everyone just stay calm. And yeah, I think they just need to talk something through. All right. So back to Oakley's idea. What what is Oakley going to do to try to adjust the holodeck environment? Hmm. Also, what is Chorog and Checkers doing? Because by now they've caught up to uh, Oakley and um, um, Janet. Absolutely. Checkers has slung the gun on his shoulder for now, and he's lit a cigar, and he's just watching. Should point out there are two dra- dragons present. Both of them quite different. He wants to see how this is going down. So, different. Oakley right, tries to set the parameters of the holodeck to create a supporting army to help capture the hostile dragon. Uh, do you do you insert any additional parameters, or is that exactly what you punch in? Yeah. Did you define hostile dragon? No, not that. I, I meant for the army. Keep it big. We need the Bunny Hill music. <laughs> that, that's exactly what this episode is. Damn right. <laughs> All right. One thing at a time. No other parameters. All right. So suddenly there is, uh, we'll say, a hundred stormcloaks at your back. Kara immediately panics. Shit. Fuck. Shit. For <laughs> if the program recognizes her, most of the Stormcloaks are chasing her. Here's the thing. Most of them recognize Grimnir. Well, I guess which do they go to first? The person they, they like or the person they hate? <laughs> they go to who they recognize as leader. And, and here's the thing. This is where it gets really awkward and weird. As soon as that hundred Stormcloaks jump in, appear out of nowhere... They immediately rally behind Grimnir. The dragon, Mjol, looks at this with a grin. Is not phased, does not, does not, you know, show any kind of fear or anything. She just gives a little bit of a chuckle and says, My friend, are you ever going to speak? Or have I broken you that much? And yes, Grimnir is that broken. But now he has a hundred Stormcloaks behind him that are obviously acknowledging him for whatever reason that nobody quite understand or quite understands why they're doing that, but that's what they're doing. And Setsa, uh, yeah. Um Setsa moves halfway in between Mule and uh Nord. Or <laughs> the Nord. The Nord, yes, Grimnir. I was going to say, at this point, Kara's just going to be freaking out for a while. She's flying as far away from the Stormcloaks as she can. Uh, uh, you know what? Just just to show, because I, I don't think... Yeah, screw it. I'm going to do it. Mule looks up at uh, Kara and, and the dragon she's riding, and she gives, like, a little head tilt. And you hear her, even though you're you're a few hundred feet away, you hear her very distinctly say... How quaint. The the dragon you're riding disappears, and you are suddenly on the ground standing next to Grimnir and Kara looks around, looks at Mjol, looks at the Stormcloaks, looks at Grimnir, and you can tell that there are gears working in her head because there are multiple things she wants to do, and she has to figure out which one wins. Eventually, one of them wins, and she looks over at Mjol. The hell did you do with my dragon? Is he okay? It does not exist, Mule says. 
However, it is fine. I understand your species preference and love for fictional entities more than you will ever understand. Kara just kind of looks over at Mill. Yeah, well, I've heard humans will pack bond with a toaster, so don't go high and mighty on me just because I like a fictional dragon. Then call me a toaster, but I am waiting for him to speak. And of course, Grimner is still standing there dumbfounded. What is the background group doing? What What is Checkers, Janik, and Chorog doing at this point? Because they're hearing this. They're seeing all this. And is anybody reporting this change of events to Graves? Still just smoking a cigar and watching. You're assuming anybody has more sense right now than Grimnir, and I don't think anybody does. <laughs> Checkers leans over to Chorig. He pulls a flask out of his uh, jacket. You want some? Chorog pulls a large metal container out of his coat and says, I'm covered. He opens, <laughs> he opens the flask and takes a, takes a swig of nice, smooth bourbon. I was expecting them to trade flasks for a minute. <laughs> that would have been cool, there. yeah. I'm getting there. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll shut up. Trog opens the top, takes a swig of his own pirate venom, looks over at Checker and said, try some. All right, you try this. He takes Chorog's and offers his own. Chorog takes a swig. Not bad. Checkers takes a swig. What 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 does he have? Uh, oh, pirate venom called, is a lot stronger than bourbon, but it wouldn't it's, fuck with track. It's called pirate's venom. Basically, it's several different types of alcohol fermented with the uh, flesh of a targ. Pretty good. Thank you. I made it myself. You'll have to teach me the recipe. I you make my own. I make my own alcohols. Sometimes I brew burrito juice. It's where I put a bunch of burritos into a still and let them ferment. At this point, Kara shrieks, Not the burrito juice! Checkers, we need to talk. Indeed we do. I, I have plan. As do I. He pulls out another cigar, offering it. Croc takes it, Thank you, and proceeds to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> That's worse than eating the worm! <laughs> <laughs> Checkers just smiles and gives him gives him a a thumbs up. Not even like a sarcastic one. He's fully supportive of this. this well, is his... These are tasty. What do you call these? These are cigars. He he inhales off his that's still in his mouth. Lets out a puff of smoke in a circle. I'll have to get some of these. I like these. I can arrange something for a price, of course. These aren't standard issue, and they're not in the replicator. I have to get them. Tipton. Name your price. Kara shrieks again. No discount, Dan! It's not discount, Dan. The lawsuit stopped me from carrying his. Anyway. This thing. I think it would be wise to take up flanking positions in case this shit goes south. Perhaps. Panic nods and says, I agree. Let's let's stop eating cigars and do something. And Hold he's on. moving forward. Hold on just a second. Checkers reaches behind him onto his belt and uh, pulls out the bayonet, attaching it to the rifle. <laughs> and this is a Mosin bayonet, so this thing's like a sword. Trog unsheets his, both his daggers and say, let's go have some fun. 
does Rick Tirita say to all this? Because he's a part of this group too. Yeah, he 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 is trying to understand what's going on. Um, he good fucking luck. Yeah, I mean he he's not the greatest in insight, so he doesn't understand. You know, like he's just trying to go through all the logical things, and the only thing that he can come up and think of is that it's some kind of the dragon is some kind of intelligence. So he's gonna check uh check the holographic systems if there's any any like where where did the command for um removing uh Kara's dinosaur came from. So try and work back from there. So the Skyrim program has always existed in the computer system. It it is it, it, it's its origin is very clearly it it is a program that has existed since uh, what two thousand eleven, like it is a very well known thing. It's just not as popular as it used to be, and due to Grimnir's presence on the ship, people started playing the program because they associated him with with it. And uh, the thing is, when you look at Mjol, whether it be the sheep or her current dragon form, does not exist on sensors. Like, it, it straight up, it does not show up as a thing on sensors at all. Grimnir does. Grimnir is obviously there. Grimnir shows up as an alien humanoid. Even though he's very obviously a human, but he's never really explained his origins. Uh, but he he shows up as a humanish entity on sensors. Mule does not. Everybody else, like even even the two dragons that are are there, um, that were were created by the holodeck, they show up on sensors as being holographic entities. Mule does not. Mule simply, when you look at the sensors, does not exist. But you are seeing her. You are hearing her. You you have watched... Well, no, you weren't in the room uh, when it happened. But you can see the... Uh, the... Uh, the uh, what, what's the phrase? The, the, the video, I guess. We'll just go with that. You can see the video of her going from sheep to dragon and you can see her talking to Grimner and obviously trying to engage him as if she knows him and he is just dumbfounded like i said the 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 best way i can explain grimner right now is brain.exe has stopped responding but she does not show up on any actual sensors she shows up on recordings but she does not exist on sensors Alright, so as far as the Kara's dinosaur vanishing and Kara ending up just on the ground, is there, can can I look at any, any, like, logs or find out any commands that the computer, holographic computer executes? Give uh, me a, give me an insight reasoning role. Uh, insight or engineering or In- reason engineering? Insight engineering. Uh, can, I'm going to use, uh, what's the difficulty? Standard difficulty. Okay. It's a normal. So you got one success. All right. So when Mjol did the shout 
in her sheep form when she shouted the the two holographic dragons away, there was an energy surge, not a big one. Like it, it wasn't even that noticeable in the ship logs. Like that's why it required a roll because it was so nominal. But there was a slight bump in in the the power usage of the holodeck when that happened. You only got one success, so you're not entirely certain what caused it, but you notice it when you look at it. You're like, that's interesting that when Mule shouted and did the Fusroba, there was a slight energy bump in the holodeck. Hmm. So it's not, I mean... Mule is not coming up as a holographic figure, but it's holographic adjacent. That would be a very uh, correct assessment. She is very obviously not showing up as a hologram. And obviously, most of you were there when y'all met her. And when she came aboard the ship, everybody assumed she was a biological entity that Grimnir just took a liking to. Or rather, took a liking to him. Either way. And it, it's never been looked at. It's never been addressed. And this would explain why she got past the uh, the uh, the initial sensor scans that Starfleet has in place whenever someone beams aboard a ship. She didn't exist, according to the sensors, at least. Does that mean she has some kind of built-in hollow matrix? That's the question. So Grimnir finally speaks. Grimnir finally speaks. Grimnir finally wakes his brain up from his dumbfoundedness and says, I did not want to know this. And Mjol says, but you need to. And Grimnir goes silent again. Grimnir really obviously did not like that answer. Setsa will um, walk over to uh, Grimnir and flick him in the middle of the forehead with a finger. He smarts, and he looks at her and says, Oi! What was that about? You know what I went through on FR. I remember. And I've had to learn very hard truths about myself. He gives a very hard, uh, not sigh, but like a very hard, like, questioning what he wants to say kind of breath. And he's silent for a moment. And then he looks at Mjol, he looks at 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 Setsa and says this ain't not just what I don't want I know this no one should want to know this and Mjol looks at him and says but you do know this and maybe your friends should know this and Grimnir looks at her and says hush you I'm tired of you talking and Mjol gives a bow Grimnir? hey how many people did I want to know that I'm basically a humanoid shell around an android? But there's a difference. You're real. I'm not. I mean, I'm not really real. I mean, if you're looking at it that way. I mean, if it's a, a hollow matrix, it's processing. I've got processing of my own, but I mean, I don't know if it's really comparable to what everyone else has. I don't know if what I think of me is the same as anyone else. If it really is something or is it just a uh, simulation? There's physical stuff here, but 
I don't know if I'm real. Mule looks at Setsa and, and, and right up in her face and says, oh, trust me, you are real. At this point, Kara just goes over to Checkers and Chorog, grabs both flasks, and takes a swig from both at the same time. Joy the smooth bourbon. You want one of these two? He takes out another cigar. Okay, hold on. I, I need Kara to give me a roll. I just need to look up what the roll is. Give me a second. Alright, I need Kara to give me a fitness and command roll. You require more than one success. I'm going to use some momentum. <laughs> Does the group allow that? No. I mean, uh, we, here's the question. Do we want this to succeed or fail? I want it to fail. It will be funny. <laughs> I'm of the same so opinion. She can grab the cigar too. Cigar, <laughs> I'm not worried about. It's more the the pirate's venom. That's what's gonna fuck with Kara. Oh, she's already had some before. Oh, oh, I missed that. I missed that in Club Forty. Club Forty Two. She had some. Yeah, I missed that. That was literally the first thing Chorak well, did because he offered her something. She drank it. I'm I'm gonna say I'm still gonna require the roll, and I'm still gonna say it requires two successes. Yeah, so I guess good. I'm glad to use the, the momentum then. Uh, now, if you want to go for it, uh, I'd say go for it. But also keep in mind, do you want Kara to succeed or fail? I want her to succeed. I'm just moving on with the comedy. She's going to do that, and then she's going to take this. She's going full hedonistic. She doesn't care. She doesn't understand anything anymore. Okay, well, if she fails, she's also doing that, but also real, really drunk. Oh, Or oh, unconscious. That's an option. Yeah, but I, either of those are options. Well, I'm still going to, I mean, I'm just asking, am I allowed to or not? Because if I am allowed to, I will use the momentum. Uh, um, sure. Momentum. I mean, we probably don't need it. Okay, then. So I'll just do the roll. All right. So, fitness and uh, what did I say? Command or something like that? I, I can't even remember. You said command fitness, and I got one success. Okay, one success. All right. Um. So... Really, really fucking drunk. Like, slobber knockered, holy hell, good god, this is the drunkest you've ever been. Whatever the hell Tron Galactic Bart ask. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Just you are schnockered. In okay. that case, Car takes the cigar and eats it. <laughs> I'm not even gonna on his cigar like uh yes. Another one of culture. I'm he considers a roll for this. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He considers downing his lit cigar. <laughs> I'm not even going to make a roll for this. This is just like a natural response to doing that. But checkers is checkers. He gets away with it. Chorog is Chorog. He gets away with it. Said he considered it. He didn't actually. Kara eats the cigar. And it tastes absolutely disgusting. And about two minutes later, she vomits. Oh, man, it's like the burrito juice all over again. You, 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 you don't eat it. Wait, See, that's what these ones are for. He reaches into his other side of the coat and pulls out... Uh, a, his special eating cigars. Like, discount Dan eating cigars. No, okay, eating cigars. They're chocolate-flavored. <laughs> So at this point, Mjol is watching this and, and watching, you know, everything else going on. And she looks up and she says, computer and program. And everybody is in a basic blank holodeck 
with the arch open. And Carl, still there. Car looks around. Oh, thank God, it cleaned up the puke. It goes into the filters. Carl oh. looks down and is like, damn, I was going to use some of that. <laughs> Mio looks at Grimner and says, you're probably not going to remember this conversation. But if you remember anything, just remember, just as I am, you are not and she instantly turns back into Mule the Sheep. And everybody is standing around confused as fuck at this point. Uh, what are you doing? There's, there's five, five sheep there. Weren't we trying to get the sheep? There's five of them. They're all wobbly. Setsa will uh, kneel down next to Mule uh, and give her some ear scratchies. And Mule leans into them and, and, and very much rubs up against Setsa and is just like... Mm. Except, obviously, she's not saying anything. Holy shit, five yeah. sets of... They've got the sheep! <laughs> Charles sets of turns and says... Um, yes. Y- yes, dear, we've we've got the sheep. Now, if you want to lay down, be perfectly fine. Just make sure you're laying down on your side in case you puke again. Well, get you cleaned up and later. Carl turns to check her she and should- say, I think we should get her to her. I agree. Come along, Kara. It's been a busy day. He whispers to Chorog, do you want to draw on her face? <laughs> if he wasn't as fucked in the head right now as he is, he'd be going, do it, do it, do it. But, yeah. Chorog so, says, like, we'll see. <laughs> as they carry her away, Kara starts just yelling, you you can't do this. I'm command staff. I'm a lieutenant. I don't like you. Shut up. You're drunk. I'm an NCO. I have years of experience. Janik just looks around and goes, what the fuck just happened? Karog turns to Janik and says, the less you know, the better. It's classified. He he reaches into his his jacket, pulls out a scar, and just, like, holds it up as someone would, uh, the men in black, uh, Neuralizer. Neuralizer. And just, like, clicks the top of the cigar, nothing happens, then puts it away, just laughing. I do not understand that reference. It's, it's from a movie. It's a really old movie, and, 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 and Kara passes out. Whatever it was, it wasn't real, but it was. Sets a calls over. Um, you know how many times Starfleet is inadvertently creating sentient life? Mule, Something Mule, like that. Mule looks up at Rick Tier when he says whatever it was, it wasn't real. She looks up at him. She kind of gives like a little head nuzzle to his knee. She doesn't say anything, but she looks at him with intention. And then she waddles her ass out of the holodeck. Meanwhile, Grimnir is still standing there dumbstruck. That's it. That's it. We'll take uh, Grimnir by the hand and try to lead him out. He follows, but he's still very dumbstruck. And yeah, Grimnir is going to be quiet for a while. Um, computer, uh, where are Grimnir's quarters? The computer responds, Grimnir's quarters are adjacent to Club 42. Uh, sets and nods and proceeds to lead Grimnir to his quarters. Like, you have to actually go into Club 42, go behind the bar, go into the back area to get to Grimnir's quarters. He, he literally lives in Club 42. Yep, so Setsa will go ahead and do that. So when Setsa leads him there, Mule is following. And uh, as as Setsa is getting ready to leave, Mule looks up at Setsa and says, 
everything's true. And then she goes and and curls up with Grimnir and doesn't say another word. Uh, it sets that um, will nuzzle, uh, will give more ear scratches to Mjol and says, I didn't doubt it. And proceeds to walk back out to the club where Marcus is still sitting, nursing at this point. He's moved on to just a standard coffee, reading the preliminary reports that are coming in about the situation, just nods and says, well, how'd it go? That's a... I think I made friends with the dragon today. Well, that's good. And, well, Grimnir's had a hard time, so I get to ease up on him for a little bit. Marcus nods. It's his birthday. Well, Grimnir's birthday. I kind of feel bad something like this happened to him today. He laughed uh, up from his yeah, drink. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, Marcus will look up, uh, look, no, notice Eli and just nod and says to Eli, yeah, yeah, I mean, Sensibly, you know, Starfleet crews are like family, so. Well, let's see if it's yeah. his birthday. He, he's, he's drunk at this point. He walks over to the replicator. Get me some, uh, was it firecrackers or sparklers? Which ones are the sparklers? Yes. Get me like 40 sparklers. Uh, doctor? Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. They, they don't explode. I can't lose my thumbs. I got my thumbs. I think those can still burn and set well, things on fire. I'll be okay. I'm, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. All right, doctor. So the replicator gives you your sparklers. What What is Eli doing with those sparklers? Uh, he's also replicating a, a top hat. He's putting the... Like, like a... A big stovepipe top hat. He's putting them on the top of it and lighting them, walking into Grimdeer's room, singing Happy Birthday to Sets <laughs> <laughs> so uh, turns to Graves and says, I, I should get dead, shouldn't I? Marcus will just nod and sets it, uh, then just taps her comm badge, just says, Good, and sets a, uh, well, Go ahead. Up here. Eli's doing something. Eli's still... He's strapped a bunch of things that are on fire onto his head, and he's walked into Grimnir's quarters. I think you that know what that means. Sounds about right. Let the computer handle it. Okay. I got All right. here. Stop bothering me! Okay. Well, we'll let you know if he hurts himself badly. Oh, I'll tell anyway. I always knew. Your bastards won't leave me alone. And uh, again, you know, his uh, communicator. <laughs> so that's uh, just um, walks over to the bar. It just sits next to Graves and uh, yeah, just has a beer of her own. Shit, I should probably hit the button. So I imagine at this point, everybody has basically made their way back to Club 42. Grimner is not in bed. He he's 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 sitting in one of his little side chairs, and he's just dazed. <laughs> oh God! I'm just imagining the situation. <laughs> he's still processing everything he just learned about himself that ninety percent of everybody involved didn't quite get. And then Eli comes in with the top hat and the sparklers. <laughs> And all that goes singing off. Happy birthday. And I imagine he's once he starts singing, I imagine there's gonna be other people. 
coming in singing happy birthday to you happy yeah, birthday some of the junior crew to you yeah and halfway through the song grimnir finally perks up looks at everybody and says Fosroda! and blows everybody out of the room and says computer lock my door eli sits up he blew out the candles he did it <laughs> then he just passed out on the floor <laughs> Okay, I can just Im- I'm just imagining that that part right now. Graves walks over, just drags Eli out of the walking path, over kind of like just uh, just towards the side towards the booth, and just sort of, um, not quite tucks him in, but basically just like yeah, make sure he's comfortable, and then just sort of goes back to the bar. His his door is locked. The captain can't even open it at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. He moves like everyone's blown out. Eli is asleep on the floor in Club 42. Graves moves um, Eli to one of the booths. So just moving him out of the way from the door. I got Okay, I got you. I misunderstood what you were saying. Chorog and Checkers walks into Club 42, takes one good look at what's going on and says, my quarters, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> you got it, bud. Uh, uh, Marcus Grimner's Grimner's quarters doors open. Mule comes out. They close. Mule Mule follows. Uh, uh, Chorog and Checkers. Checkers still has the rifle like slung across his shoulder. He doesn't realize it yet. Chorog still has his rifle strapped to his back. So. Marcus turns to uh, Rick at this point and says, So, I've been writing to Kendra about what's been happening aboard the ship. Should I tell her what happened today? She does need to know, but perhaps keep it for when she is back on duty? Yeah, maybe. I don't know, it started out as being funny, but... uh, You know what, I think I'll let this one slide. And he sits back down to the bar and says, you know, sometimes you just need our personal space and it sounds like this is something that Grimnir needs. Less attention, the better. Yeah. Um, well, I will be back in engineering if anyone did. Um, Nicole? And, and he help, He does help up the anyone else who does need help getting up um, from the ground before graves to everyone and leaving. Both Graves and Rick Tear hear a thought in their head. And they recognize the voice in their head. It's Waitley. Waitley says some things are best to Marcus nods at that. You know, um, Rick just just um, sort of sends I mean, it's not really sending a thought back, but it's sort of actively thinking thinking it to him. Uh, assuming that he'll actually get it. And um, it's uh some things can't really be explained. Even when you're there, I didn't don't really know what happened. Sets at this point um, nods to uh, Marcus and says, "I should probably go check on Kara and yeah, her quarters. Yeah, yeah, she did have some unusual things to drink." Marcus simply nods. It's like, "Yeah, all right. See you later, GB." And at this point, yeah. there's random NPC serving drinks at the bar, and they're a little nervous because it's always Grimnir, and now they're having to do Grimnir's job, and 
Well, Grimner's really good at his job. That's why everybody loves him. And now they're just like, uh, fuck, what do I do? So Setsa will uh, proceed to her quarters where Kara is maybe sobering up. She Kara, in. Kara is lying unconscious in her bunk. But when Setsa pokes her head in to check on her, Kara starts and looks over. And across her face is scrawled all manner of things, including some things in Klingon with black marker. But she and just looks at... And Austin. She just looks at uh, Setsa and says, I have just had the strangest dream. Also, I have an incredible headache. Well, that's what you get for drinking uh, something from Checkers, from something from Chorog, and then eating a cigar. Dummy. She flicks Kara's uh, forehead. Don't you know what was in my dream? Think? That was a weird dream. Kara just falls back over <laughs> lying in her bunk looking up. Setsa just sighs at that point, sees to Nala, the doggo, and tucks uh, Kara in for the night and sits on her bunk for a little while. Alright, so, unless anybody has anything they want to do that day, let's let's flash forward a couple days. So a couple days later, things have returned to normal-ish. Normal for Reliant. Yeah, <laughs> normal-ish. And the the main bridge crew is is off duty. The, the 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 second crew is in command of the bridge. It's it's late night, and uh, those who want to are piling into Club Forty Two as per normal. And Grimner is back behind the bar. So how how who who wants to uh, who wants to start this scene? Um, if no one I else will. will... <laughs> okay. Uh, Chorog is actually called to Club 42 by, uh, Rick. I am on my way, sir. Chorog leaves his quarters, uh, making sure to tuck away the pads that he had, uh, been working on some, uh, improved things on. That uh, he didn't want no boards in there as turbulent, and makes his way to Club 42, sees, uh, Richter, walks over. What did you need, sir? Well, I just wanted to say... Thank you for your work. You have been in, you have integrated quite surprisingly well into this crew uh, for being so new. It is my honor to serve. I am here to to learn and to adapt. Well, then um, it's one of our engineering traditions that um, every now and again we have a team get together. Tonight just happens to be. To be one. If you would stay, uh, the rest of the engineering crew will be in shortly, and we can share a drink together. I think I would like that. It'd be honor. It'd be my honor to share a blood. Uh, and, and not 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 too long ago, familiar members of the crew of the engineering team that start to file in. Uh, Rick orders uh, Charles a blood wine. He gets himself um, Saurian brandy, uh, and um, just sort of. Start chatting about today's the day's events and whatever's new going on in the field of engineering. Frog is drinking his blood wine, listening to the different conversation. He walks over to Richter and I had some ideas on how to the efficiency of the plasma injectors. It is a trick I learned on my ship, and I would it would improve the overall performance by at least twenty percent. 
I'll send those through to me. I will have a look and and let you know. I shall do so. Back by the bar and takes a seat. And uh, yeah, so so Rick will uh, when he gets those, he will look over them and just make sure that they they are within Starfleet regulation, um, even if they they do improve. So we will say I'm not even going to give it a roll. I just I I love uh, I love role play like that. So we're going to say uh, from now on every every role like we already have that that standing rule that every every role that requires the the Reliance Engineering Crew has uh, engineering crew not crew. Uh, every role that requires the the Reliant Engineering Crew has that automatic success. It now automatically has a plus one to the difficulty. So, say the roll is a twelve, it's now a thirteen. Alrighty. Anything that involves the power. APS Anything systems. that involves the engineering team. Um. At that point, uh, Setsa walks into the uh, uh, the club wearing a uh, slinky black dress that has been especially cut to hide the Borg implants that are still in her uh, back. Okay. And she just makes a beeline to the bar, sits down, and just orders herself a, uh, um, let's see, a margarita. There, sidles up, takes her order, he nods, he smiles, he pours her drink right in front of her, he says, By the way, lass... You look pretty good tonight. Who are you trying to impress? And he serves her drink. Maybe a few people. General statement and all that. How are you doing today? Uh, same as usual. Mule pops up from behind the bar, looks at Setsa, nods, goes back to being a sheep behind the bar. Setsa just waves to the, uh, waves to Mule and occupies herself with her, uh, margarita until anyone else shows up. Kara eventually shows up. <clears throat> She's just wearing a tank top with a light jacket over it and some short shorts. She moves over to the bar and sits down. Very faintly across her face is readable some interesting messages in various languages. You still haven't washed that off, have you? I tried. It's permanent marker. You want me to just get sandpaper on my face? Turn on a generator or something. I mean, some of those messages aren't She's struggling not to laugh. Kara looks over at her. You look good, by the way. Thanks. She stretches, takes a drink of her margarita, and says, So, what are you having tonight? Kara looks at Grimnir for a moment. You got anything that'll get this shit off my face? He he takes a, lo- a good long look at your face. He says, I, I do. But I do not think you're going to like a mace to your face. So I'll just say, maybe get some soap and water. I was thinking of rubbing alcohol, but she stands up and just leaves the club for a while. That's the turns, sighs, and then Marcus comes in. Uh, let's see. He's uh, just wearing uh, black, uh, basically, track pants, a white t-shirt, and a matching uh, jacket to the track pants. This uh, sleeves half rolled up. This next to Setsa. It's uh, like a big kind of theatrical stretch. Ask her shoulder, gives her a smile, and then orders a beer. What kind of beer? 
We got lots of beer here. You're going to have to be a little more specific. An IPA. Uh, Mule pops up from behind the counter, moves a a bottled beer onto the bar right in front of uh, Satsa. Just looks at Grimnir and then goes back to being a a sheep behind the bar. Grimnir looks down at Mule, gets a kind of disgruntled look on his face and says, Hey, there you go. There's your beer. Sets a passes, Marcus the beer, and Marcus uh, pops the top off, nods, and gives a uh, Grimnir a little bit of a toast and says, well, wasn't able to join in the happy birthday celebration before everything went down, but here's a belated happy birthday, Grimnir. Appreciate it, but yeah, probably best you weren't there. I did get you something. I do. I, I wish I wasn't there. Wait, you got me something. Oh, what'd you do, you bastard? Yeah. I got you a little bit of something. Might help to, uh, well, might help just to, you know, make a little bit of impression around here, especially if things get late, people get rowdy. Well, something that just might help. And he's, uh taps his comm badge. Uh, the transporters activate. Uh, Marcus reaches out and grabs the item as it sort of tips over, as it sort of enters that uh, environment, hands it to uh, Grimnir and says, well, don't know if the style's right, but you have fun with this. And he hands Grimnir a double-headed battle axe. He hefts it in his left hand. He looks at it. He, he tests the balance. He looks at it. Like, he, he gives it a full examination. He says, Hey, this is a good blade. Thank you, my friend. And he slams it into the bar. Says, And that's where it's gonna stay. But I appreciate it. And thank you. Excellent touch to the decor. Happy birthday again. At this point, Kara walks in. The faded black messages are gone from her face. But now there are some new ones in neon green, including one that simply says, we thought of that too. We love these markers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them definitely says in, in Klingonese, your mother is has a smooth forehead. The worst slur you could ever tell a Klingon. Sets of giggles. Chorog looks over his shoulder, sees this, gets up and walks. Wait, I thought Chorog That's was the one. That's a headed. <laughs> oh, Chorog was, uh, yeah, Chorog was already in his quarters. Oh. You left with, um, yeah, you, you left with uh, Checkers. Oh, shit, okay. Uh, this, but this was two, two Oh, wait, no, that was two days ago. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was, that was two days ago. Sorry. Yeah. Richter, yeah, this is two days ago. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. I was sitting at the bar. Okay, so, yeah, you're totally there. So, sorry. Yeah. So, I... I'm, I'm I'm watching this over the uh, the corner of my eye. I just get up and just. Setsa walks up, just puts her hand on Kara's shoulder and says, "And say you could go to Ged, but I don't think you'd ever let me down." Kara looks square at her. I'm not sure that they didn't think of that too. Good. I mean, just mark her. Come on. Kara grumps and goes over to the bar and sits down. You know, crossing her arms and putting her head on her arms. Sets a um, pass her on the shoulder. Sits next to her. Marcus takes a seat next to Setsa. Three of them sit together, and Marcus just says, "I grim there." Yeah, someone needs a little bit of a pick me up. Yeah, that. Grimner walks up to uh, to Kara and Setsa. Says, "Oi, I want you to look at me," and he he does the whole. Robert De Niro points at his eyes and then does the double point at you guys. 
I want you to listen to me clear. Whatever it is, it don't fucking matter. Get over it. Appreciate your life. And you, and he points at Kara, you got some shit on your face. Yeah, let me fix that for you. And he he does like the whole Vulcan mind meld kind of thing, you know, with his hand to the face. But he doesn't do a mind meld. He, he just puts his hand to her face. And he closes his eyes and thinks for a second. He pulls his hand away. He says, I should be good now. And uh, for everybody else in the room, when he does that, 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 that point where he makes contact with her glows like a golden glow. And when it's done and he pulls his hand away, all the paint, all the markers, all that is gone. And he just says, all right, now what you want to drink? Because last I checked, that's me fucking job. Kara puts a hand up to her face and then grins. I'll have a Soma. He pours her one. He looks at Setsa. What you want, lass? Hmm. Let's see. I've heard you talk about this drink called mead. Oh, and as soon as she says that, his eyes light up. He's like, what kind of mead you want, lass? I've got a plenty of it. Uh, the strong kind. She, she looks between Marcus and Kara, uh, just sort of like, oh, I'm going just like feeling eager, feeling like I'm going to help cheer people up tonight. All right. I've got an idea and I know what you're after. And you know what? Since I didn't announce or celebrate my birthday properly, we're going to do it the right way. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. And he goes into the back. He goes back to where his quarters are. And you hear some, you know, like, insert, you know, the whole uh, cussing around, knocking shit over, the cat screaming, all that, you know. And he comes out with this big five-gallon wooden barrel. And he sets it on the bar. And then he just sets up a shit ton of mugs. And says, have at it. I hope you enjoy, because this is my best batch. Kara grins and Thanks, pours herself, you know, some of the mead. Glad you're around, Grimnir. This place just wouldn't be the same without you. I know it'd be better, but that's beside the point. Mule reaches up and smacks Grimnir on the ass. Grimnir looks down at Mule. We'll talk later, you. <laughs> Marcus raises his eyebrows at that, but Seth says already proceeding to the uh, the mead barrel. Uh, she uh, um. She pours herself a, uh, like a big tankard, then puts her head underneath the uh, tap, uh, gets an extra squirt for herself, uh, <laughs> proceeds back well, to the bar top. Well, this is happening. Kara is talking, not looking at Setsa, but saying, now remember, this is going to be some harder alcohol than you're used to. You probably want to drink this in moderation. Setsa just uh, bounds back to the uh, uh, back to receive. He says, to grow your birthday. And, well, all the crazy stuff we get into here, but enough of that, let's drink! And she just chugs. When Grimnir Grimnir hears that, he he reaches under the bar, he grabs a bottle of some really dark golden stuff, about a fifth size, bites the cork out with his teeth, spits it out, and says, Aye! To the crazy drunken shit we get up to here! And he chugs the whole bottle in one swig. Kara thinks for a moment. Oh, just how much how much wine or beer do you think it would take to get Irith and Femeth drunk? Depends on how you program them. Oh wait, was I not supposed to answer that? My bad. 
Setsa with a little bit of a slur uh, calls, calls out. A whole bunch, but be careful. I mean, that was a sweet letter getting tiny drunk. Uh, she kind of, uh, um, she's kind of tipsy at this point, sort of uh, um, s- sits at the bar for a minute, and then she just keeps chugging. Kara sighs and looks at Graves. I'll make sure nobody draws on her. I just realized I appreciate it, Lieutenant. The button. A mug of that mead that Grimner just served you from the barrel. A mug, because he the, the mugs he put up on the bar are about 16 ounces. You fill that up. It's equivalent to about 10 to 12 shots of liquor. Oh, one. God. And she also had some straight from the tap, too. But she's Borg. Those, so let's roll for this. For those who know alcohol percentage, it's that mead is about 20 to 22%. Alcohol. <laughs> yeah, the Borg implants are going to be working overtime. So, what's the role? I'm looking. Fitness command, I think. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm going to go fitness command, but you're you're down a success. So, in order to not be blind, stinking drunk, you need two successes. Boom. Nope. So, Setsa is blind, stinking drunk, but she's not as drunk as she could be. Are any of us ever as drunk as we could be? Kara muses philosophically. This is why Grimnir is here. Hey, hey, Grimnir, you're all right. I know I'm all right. I'm never not all right. I am the greatest tactician and battle master the ship knows. I just happen to be the bartender. One day, and he, he levels a finger at Graves. He says, one day. You'll have the balls to put me on the bridge. But today is not that day, and I understand. Barkus nods and says, Well, we'll see how the chain of command works out. Definitely not ruling anything out at this point, but yeah, we'll see. Mule, he, pops, he out. Takes Mule pops out from behind the bar. She looks at Marcus and shakes her head. <laughs> Marcus <laughs> just grins at sheep. Marcus just grins and just sort of the like not quite I want to see the world burn but I just want to have fun along the way while sets us tipping back and forth and says I care about Marcus has the sweetest bum Kara alrighty Kara's just giggling so so am I drunk Kara just nods yes Setsa you're you're quite drunk oh thanks Anna when Setsa when Setsa says Marcus has the the what was it the the sweetest bum or something like that I can't remember what it was yeah is the sweetest bum is how she yeah. how she would have phrased that Grimner looks at her and he just nods aggressively Dude, he gets it hey, hey everybody, everybody can come in on the scene I'm 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 reading uh, in game chat you, you, this this is an open scene for anybody to come into. Point Charog somewhat staggers into the club. He's burned through his supply of pirate venom and his own personal blood wine. He's looking for a drink. He's thirsty. He sees the big barrel on the bar. Drink! Multiple mugs sitting next to it. Charog swipes the mugs with his arm, bellies up to the barrel, and just starts chugging. Grimner uh, raises an eyebrow and says, Hey, lad. You think you can handle it? I didn't think you can. 
It takes a lot to put me down. Chorog says he's halfway through the bar. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to give me a roll. Okay. Uh, Carmine goes, now his face... <laughs> what do you want to draw on it? Oh, I was thinking just going standard. You know, lots of cock and balls. We had to go so there. Just break what, down what, what, am I, what, am I, what am I rolling? You're going to roll fitness and command. I was not going to give you the same uh, difficulty I gave everybody else, but you are drinking more than a mug. You, you specifically stated you're drinking half the barrel. You're going to need three successes to survive this. Rolls nothing. We well, got two successes. So, you are bl- blind, stinking drunk. You're not dead, but you are the drunkest you've ever been in your fucking life. Drunk Nosekin is a fun Nosekin. Depends on your definition of fun, but yes, we now have <laughs> blind, stinking Nosek- blind, stinking drunk Nosekin in Club 42. Don't make Grimner have to jump out from behind the bar. Actually, at this point, yeah, you know what? No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> uh, what about Eli? Uh, yeah, Eli, uh, what did you, uh, how much did you drink? I haven't even entered yet. Ah, okay. Eli enters the scene, sees the Nausicaan finishing up the barrel or halfway through. Looks around like, what, what's going on? Governor looks at Eli and says, we're doing a late celebration of my birthday, and I brought out my best brew. And he slaps the top of the barrel and says, There's a few more mugs if you want to grab one and try one. Late celebration? What What was what, what I did? Was that? Did that mean nothing? You don't know what you're talking about. And Mule pops out from behind the bar, looks at Eli, and just shakes her head. And then she goes back to being a sheep behind the bar. Dog. Stands up, straightens himself out, and unleashes a belch that echoes throughout the club. Uh, the engineering crew, which are now kind of drunk, and as you know, most of them have been, been just... I mean, they haven't been this drunk since the polywater incident. Um, <laughs> and actually, I, I, I was going to say, Grimnir would have totally sent an extra barrel of this same stuff. Actually, he probably would have sent two barrels down to the engineering crew with a little note that says simply have fun uh, and and there's this shout of chorog 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 kara looks at the chaos around her looks over at graves leans in close and whispers when did i become the responsible one grimner looks at kara looks at graves looks at kara and says Last I checked, I was the responsible one here, but last I checked, I didn't question it. Shut your mouth. Marcus nods and says, Welcome to my first week on the job. I mean, I grew up on the street. Give me, put me in command of a ship. I would have sold it. He grins. Yeah, well, Checkers could help you with that. Yet. Uh, Checkers doesn't think big enough. Out of this. Let's leave him out of this. Checkers sitting in the cor- like the dark corner of uh, the club, just having a little poker game with whoever comes by. Probably some Andorian who's really given Checkers a-, a hustle for his money. Depends. Is he allowed to use the discount Dan cards? <laughs> oh, oh, that game? There are no rules. 
Like that Andorian is cheating like a motherfucker. And that's how he's giving checkers a run for his money because checkers is cheating too. The question is, do you think any of the money that checkers is paying out is real? (laughs) It's no real currency. It's just, it's only good on Van Zandt. Starfleet officer. Of course it's not for the money. It's for the bragging rights. Wink, wink. You know what? Just just because I love self-inserts, I'm going to say that and, well, no, 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 never mind. I'm not going to do that. It, it's it's a big, burly Andorian science officer. And uh, Chuck you know is very, very impressed with this Andorian's poker playing skills because... Let's roll for this. Alright. Alright. I'll let you roll first. Let me let, let me look up what the roll should be. By this point, Kara is very carefully explaining to Setsa why she's definitely not too warm, and she definitely should not take off the dress. It feels sticky. I feel like I'm, this should definitely be like command. Yeah, I was going to say this is a daring and command role, and since it's it's a contested role, it, there there's no difficulty other than just a basic daring command role. And luckily, one of Checkers' focuses is games of chance. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, daring, command, that's 16, and crit on a 5. No sp- uh, let's make sure you're spending our momentum here, because we're at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. There, there How are much two- momentum do we have? We have two points of momentum. Two. Um, so, Five I'm going to make that three dice, and then re-roll if I get a... You're going to spend both of them? No, like, if, if I get a complication, I'm going to re-roll. Also, uh, Duncan, you've slipped into the Ilium filter. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Never mind. I don't oh, even God. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Oh, 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 God. That hurts. That hurts so much. Okay. Checkers, so, has, Checkers has six aces on five cards somehow. Now, let me, let me ask you a question. How much momentum did you spend for that? Because I'm assuming you spent one point. You know what? I'm going to spend the other point just so you can't. Oh, I'm I'm not a player. I get. To He's the GM. He gets threat. Oh shit! That's right. Um, I have not spent a single point of threat yet in either game I've run. Do we even have threat this oh. session? Okay. Wait. Wait. So okay. Every player. Eli. Eli. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to use Marcus's ability and spend my point of uh, determination in order to give you three more momentum. Oh boy, so three more die. Yeah. So you've got four dice extra to roll here. So that's a total of one more seven. dice. One more dice. You got one more roll. Oh, okay. Because there was the one point he hadn't used already. So that's a total of so eight, eight total successes. Eight total successes. Now it's the Andorian's turn. And I am going to spend all of my threat. Which, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. So that's 12 threat. I'm spending 12 threat on this roll, which makes it, uh, what is that? Like, the max amount of dice you meant to roll is five. And it okay. Takes six mo- yeah, I'm not, I'm not super up on exactly how the mechanics for Star Trek Adventures work. But, you know, that's one of my favorite things about running games is I can just look at the rules and say, yeah, fuck that. I want to do it differently. 
I want to see the giant roll. Let, let's stick to the like maximum five for later, just to avoid this being hammered yeah, on us later. Because this is but, not an important roll, just for just for who wins this this uh, card game. Like I said, yeah, I, I am spending all of. Do you my have? Well, hold on. You said you have twelve, but there are five full players. Well, no. When we started the game, which is when threat is generated is the number of players at the beginning of game. And we had six players at the beginning of game. One of them happened to go to bed. And Aww. if I was I hoping am... the technicality that Oakley is playing off of a uh, support character uh, card. No, I, okay. I, sorry. I, I count Oakley as a player character. Like okay. I, I get that argument. I, I, I see that argument. I'm just maybe... trying to help Eli. Yeah. Out. I like I see I'm just that argument. To help Eli out. What does chat think? No, kidding. <laughs> no, okay. Oh, that, that, so that's a good your question. Guy. Okay. What does chat? Yeah, think? We're right at the end here, guys. Oh, that's we're true. right at the end here. So let's go ahead. All You're right. spending your dice. So let's just say it takes it, it, it takes six momentum to get up that limit. So um, on that math, I like Sob's uh, answer. Let's say ten. Two. Get drunk. Well, uh, based uh, on my ten map, dice. if 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 I am not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. Based on my math, because I am spending all the threat it's, right here right now, it's fourteen dice. It, it's the oh. um, if it's six momentum to get five dice. If you got oh, twelve right, you get yeah, ten. So, dice. so so for an extra one dice, it's one for the extra second dice. It's two, it's. Another two on top for the extra third dice. It's another three on top. So basically, it becomes uh, okay. more expensive as you get more, more dice. dice. Yeah, okay. yeah, but we didn't do that with Eli. So go ahead and give him the fourteen dice. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. Okay. Thing is we didn't do that for Eli's. So. Okay. Here's here's the Andorian's roll. The complication. Oh God. Oh Jeez, God. Good lord, the complication. Two complications. Well, hold on, hold on. The con that was wrong. I, I, so, I, I, the target number. I think I. Yeah. So that go ahead and do wrong. that again. So uh, it's going to be the target number. Yeah. So it's a target number first, then yeah, your critical, I, and then your complication. So in this case, it's just fourteen, two d twenty or fourteen d twenty, and then whatever you think the Endorian would reasonably be for a target. I think I did it right that time. Oh no, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, no, no, no. Because no, because your target was five, not fifteen. Here, I can just go ahead and do it. I'm, I'm screwing up over here. Here you go. Okay, that makes more sense. I, I was. So it's he's got two compli. Yeah, so he's he's got more successes, but he's also got two complications. What I was trying to uh, get in there in the role was that he had a higher crit range. That's what I was struggling with oh. trying to remember was he had a higher crit range. Okay, so that higher crit range would only affect that three. So he would have 13 successes. All right. So either way. Uh, so it's more successes, but right. he's got the two complications. All right. So we had the dice roll. I fucked it up, but it happens. Uh, wait, is is audio out, Sov? Or is it something on your end? Are, you guys are still hearing me on Discord end, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah I'm I'm still fine. Here, yeah. Stream's still hearing me. Well, because uh, I, 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 okay. okay yeah, audio's okay. fine with Umbersong, okay. so it's got to okay. be something with Soft. Okay. 
Um, so here's what happens. Game happens. Uh, Checkers and this unnamed Andorian get into a very serious, very chest-beating, heart-pacing, uh, holy hell, this just got real kind of uh, card game. What 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 game were we playing? What, what was it? Poker or shit? You know what? Just for shits and giggles, because nobody ever mentions this game anymore. Rummy, they're playing gin rummy. But it's poker. He runs the poker table in that table. Nah, nah. Yeah. So they 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 he played said, a couple he, of poker he, he rounds, poker. and the Andorian said, "Nah, do you know rummy?" Checkers does not know rummy. He's always going to pretend like he's playing go fish. Uh. Well, and that explains why he lost. They uh they they get into this big heated game and it goes back and forth for a while. And for a while, Checkers thought he was gonna win. Like this this Andorian science officer looks like he's gonna lose. And Checkers is getting excited. He's he's gonna have these bragging rights. He's gonna get whatever they had agreed upon that uh this Andorian was going to give him because he was giving him access to shit that he should Wait, not. Wait, hold on a second. If that's the case, I didn't know that was a thing because I have a, a perk, a skill. Okay. Give me a second. Let me just give me a second. At this sorry. point, it's irrelevant because I don't think you can beat the number of successes this Andorian got. He's just, he's down by f- uh, five, but let's see. Wait, five? What? Yeah, you're you're down he, by. He five. got thirteen, and you got eight. But he's got two. He's still got two complications. So now, keep in mind. And yeah, this is this is where role play comes into mind, and that's why I'm trying. Yeah, so to he's got. That. Yeah, so just let it play out because he's got two complications to slam down on his face afterwards. So, what happens is the Andorian changes the game after playing a few rounds of poker, and and checkers is you know, obliged to change the game, and the Andorian teaches him how to play the game, and Checkers picks up on it pretty quickly. And uh, they get into it, and like I said, toward the end, it Checkers thought he was going to win. And then the Andorian comes back, and comes back, and comes back, and comes back. And he wins, but in the process of, of letting Checkers thinks or letting Checkers think he was going to win, he accidentally lost some things he didn't mean to. And in the in the excitement of the game, he uh, forgot what he had put on the table. And so at the end of the game, yes, the Andorian win bragging rights, and Chorog's all, or, or not Chorog, uh, Checkers all, all right, what, what do you want? Yeah, like, we had a lot of stuff on the table here, and you won, what do you want? I don't want any of it. I just wanted the bragging rights. Okay, that's fine. You lost a couple games earlier, though. And you had some stuff on the table. And one of the things you had on the table was access to the computer systems. There's your complication. Ooh, this will go nicely with the others. Complication. (laughs) Check now has access to the Reliance computer systems. Because of a gin rummy game. I love it. He offers Scar. Just don't eat this one. It's an Andorian. What the fuck do you think he's going to do with it? He's going to smoke it like a civilized human being. Come on. 
as this is uh, happening, Setsa sways over and says to Kara, oh, sorry about the comment on your bum, but make you feel any better. And she leans over to Kara and just gives her a really big kiss on the mouth. Eli, woo! Grimmere is like, yeah! So about damn time! High five, Grimnir. Kara accepts the kiss, stops, turns back toward Marcus. She is really drunk right now. Marcus blinks and just says, I can see that. He looks to Setsa. Setsa looks back to him, just stupid drunk, swaying back and forth, not really aware of too much right now. Marcus sighs and says, yeah, I'll help her out of here. And kind of with a little bit of trepidation, he uh, helps Setsa up and uh, walks out of uh, Club 42. Connor goes with, and the last thing anybody can hear is her saying, come on, we've got to get you a cold shower and some coffee. Eli's still holding up his hand at Grimnir. Don't leave me hanging. Grimnir, Grimnir did the high five back. Uh, I think that I didn't, didn't come to well, no, I didn't want to interrupt uh, the other people talking. Shit, alright. So how far did Eli fly when Grimnir high-fived him back? Oh, Grimnir didn't slap his hand that hard. Anyway, since Eli hasn't ordered a drink yet, he comes back a couple seconds later with a thing of a plate of cheese fries and says to Grimnir, a Jaeger bomb. Grimnir nods and says, which kind? I've only heard of one kind of Jaeger bomb. Enlighten me to the others. Yeah, Grimnir uh, does a little chicanery behind the bar, and he puts uh, a small tumbler in front of him and says, enjoy. That's my own specific take on the Jägerbaum. I think you'll like it. I think I will, too. He downs it. Give me a, what, what is it, command and fitness roll? Yeah, I gotta switch over to Ela. There it is. Command and fitness. Okay. All you need one success. It's not that bad. It's not like the mead, but one success, that's all you needed. So you 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 definitely got a buzz, but you're good. Uh it was really yummy. It was basically a a cherry bomb. I don't know if you know about what uh, what a cherry bomb is. It's a Jaeger bomb with um, cherry schnapps in it, and then with a little bit of Grimnir's mead in it. Ooh, that does sound good. Right? So, very yummy drink, very strong, very... Mm, and you survived it. So, you're like, mmm, that was good. Rick Tears combat beeps. Uh, Rick Tears here? So... This is Kara. Um, we're gonna need some some repairs to the shower in our quarters. Uh, file a maintenance report, and uh, it'll be added to the queue. Right. Thanks. There, there was an incident. We'll we'll get to it when we can. All right. We have gone over time. Uh, unless anybody has a last. Uh, scene they really, really want to do. I, think I want to figure out what that incident was. Well, Trog gets up to leave, takes two drunken steps, mutters something incoherent in Noskin, falls face first through two tables. He's passed out. He's done. 
Grimner has two of his uh, clerks, two of his uh, minions escort uh, Trog to his quarters. I think the uh, the green suited uh, uh, waiters from TNG, that 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 kind of people, just kind of heft and heave Trog to his quarters. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anything? Checkers finishes up. He takes his computer access. And he ends up, you know, just disappearing into a Jeffrey's tube not long after. <laughs> oh, and the best part about that complication, because there were two complications, that Andorian science officer doesn't even realize what he gave up. So this is no one on the ship knows that Chorog has that access, or uh, that Checkers, Checkers has that access. Well, anyway, to finish up, Checkers disappears in the Jeffrey's tube with a with a big steel pot that smells of chili, headed god. towards oh, god. where the Endorian officers' quarters are. <laughs> oh god. Alright, anybody else got anything they want to finish up with? Negative. Alright, oh, so good. the f- scene is Waitley in his quarters. Because nobody's checked up on Waitley throughout all this. He reached out at one point just to tell a couple people that they were wrong about what they were thinking. Uh, Waitley is in his quarters doing his usual thing. He is still in communication with that nebula, but he reaches out to Mule and he tries to reach out to Mule. He tries to communicate with Mule, and the response he gets back is a visual image of a slap in the face and her telling him to shut the fuck up and go the fuck away. And that is how the episode ends. End credits time!